everyone. Welcome to Game Face, episode 220 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host for the next couple hours. I think the show's going to be a couple hours. We had to really work for this one, folks. Uh, for the next hour and a half, couple hours, maybe, uh, we'll swing you around the world of video games. There was some big stuff happening this week, just not a ton of it. I want to apologize to the people who are waiting on the stream for the show to start. Uh, Matt Kyle, who is my co-host had some computer issues. What's up, Matt? Hey. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Like, it, uh, I guess it needed a restart, but it took like 10 minutes. So, yeah. and then when it came back up, like uh, it was all a black screen. I was like, what is it? What's going on? It opened all my Apple Arcade games. What? Like all the Apple Arcade <laughs> games I have downloaded, like they all, they were all open. That's weird. So that's I'm really like, oh, okay, so I had to quit all those out before I could get through this because that's a lot of memory. Yep, but we're here and we're ready for 220. We got Mitch Sikorsky as TriCaster TD. What's going on, Mitch? Nothing much. We shut down again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think the whole United States. I just think one. I think it ha it needs to shut down. Like we just need to hit the reset button and start over. We need to look at what the other countries did, who whose lives are now back to normal, and I'm very jealous of. And we need to replicate it. And we just need to bite the bullet for a couple months here and get to back to life as normal. I mean, I don't know what other option there is other than to just let the coronavirus completely destroy America. So, yeah, L.A. is all locked down again. Um, we're right back to where we were in, like, March and April. It's really, really discouraging. <laughs> I've had it, man. I've had it with this. But if we can just, just start over and just do the things that we're supposed to do the way we're supposed to do them, in a couple months we can get this under control and we can go back to our lives this is crazy. Or if, you just, or if people, here, or if people just wore masks size. outside. Yeah. I like, mean, just all. do what you're told. There's a reason. Just remember, Japan has... Let me go on and on. Much, There's much so many countries. Much huger density than we have, and they haven't had anything close to even one state's death toll. Uh, and that's be and and case toll, and that's because they wear masks everywhere. It's, it's, yeah, it's all this also really hurts Mitch's chances of finding a job here. It just sucks. Yeah, it came to a very <laughs> it came to LA in a very bad, inadvertent time. Yeah, I really feel for him, man. But uh, but anyway, we, we do have a great show for you guys, and I know that for a lot of you, this is kind of your respite away from reality. I try not to dip into that stuff too much because. I look at Game Face the same way. Uh, on a recent episode of Ask Shane Anything, I mentioned how Game Face is like my refuge for a few hours every week, where I forget about everything else except for games and Matt and Mitch. And I know that you guys look to this show for that. So we try to stay away from that stuff. Let's talk about some video games. Uh, first, we're going to talk about our poll of the week from last week. If you remember on episode 219, we talked about gamer toxicity. Um, and so I pulled you guys to see what you guys thought about it after hearing our crew discuss it. Um, the poll basically was, uh, what's your take on gamer toxicity? And there were four options. There was, uh, really, there's nothing that can be done. Uh, there's no easy answer, but we need to commit to change. Uh, I just ignore them. And then the final option was, it's no big deal. Uh, winning in a landslide was, there's no easy answer, but we need to commit to change. 62% uh, of respondents chose that option. And I tend to agree. But I think what happens is what happened with our discussion last week, which was, okay, we agree that we need to do something, but what is it? Matt, do you think we need like some kind of a, I hate to say it, like an organization to like 
work on something like this? Because I, I can't do it. I don't have the bandwidth to make this kind of change. Um, I mean, the bandwidth has to come from people who care about it and call it out and, you know, correct the behavior in person, even better than online. Um, you know, it's kind of the, the old, um, it's, I mean, people make fun of it because it's, it, it, uh, cause the Orwell connection, I guess, but like, yeah, that see something, say something thing. You see somebody being a dick, say something about it. Don't leave it to the, don't leave it to the victim. Don't leave it to the victim. Don't leave it to the victim to, um, have to take care of it themselves necessarily. Yeah. Like, um, and there's, and there's ways to deescalate that are not like, you know, uh, direct confrontation. Like you can always just sort of put yourself between someone virtually or physically, uh, and the other person, but like, and you know, you liberally use block features on, you know, social media. Like that's what they are looking for. for attention. Let's just be honest. I mean, that's yeah. what a troll wants more than anything is for people to respond and, and acknowledge that they exist. Yeah. I just remember when trolling meant like, posting right. a bad take about a movie on a board you know yeah. it, it didn't it wasn't death threats wasn't and swatting yeah. and all this crazy shit yeah so um so is that i mean i don't know what else you can do and form an organization i mean i guess you could form like some kind of like industry think tank to come up with solutions but i don't know if the people in the industry are the people to come up with those solutions i think you want uh, sociologists and and tech experts that can find ways to kind of tra track this stuff and and uh, de-anonymize the people that are doing it um, cause sometimes it works like, like yeah, the one example, uh, last week where like, so one person who was, uh, going after, uh, the voice actress got called out and actually came back and apologized cause they it had does a moment happen, of clarity, right. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it's not going to solve change. everything. Believe it or not, people can change. Yeah. It's not going to solve everything. And there's always going to be dipshits out there doing stuff like that. But like, you can, you can at least make it. We're used to that. That's like, can, the yeah, but you can at least make it clear. You can at least make it clear that like. It's not acceptable. Yeah, or, or uh, the, the, everyone else sees you do it and not, are not okay yeah, with not it. Because okay. that's, that's part of it. They are looking for a reaction, but they're also looking for a positive reaction in the sense of like reacting the way they want you right to on, react. Right on, man. Yeah, as exactly. opposed as opposed to or, or like people being you know the victim being negatively impacted. But you know, a bunch of people standing around going like, you know, a bully isn't really going to do much even in a schoolyard if everyone's standing around going like, stop, stop that. What are you doing, dude? Come on, that's yeah. not cool. Like that's that's. There's also power in numbers. I mean, yeah, peer pressure works. A cliche for a reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then next, the next most popular response was just ignore them. And I'm not surprised by that either. I think a lot of people are like me. They're just completely fed up with it. And maybe I want to fight a little bit more, but they're just like, you know what? I'm just not going to engage in it. And I get that. Mm -hmm. I totally, some people go online. They don't want to deal with drama. I totally get it. Uh, and then the final 12% was split between people who really have, just completely checked out. Uh, six percent for nothing can be done. They they've just given up completely. Uh, and then six percent, it's no big deal. Uh, uh, I don't. Sorry, that's I, a little I answered. Odd. I answered nothing could be done. So I kind of want to explain my answer a bit. Since okay. You, since you kind of stated as I was giving up, I I don't see it as that. I see it as you have to change people, and some people unfortunately cannot be changed. And, you know, it's it's this is an individual type thing and you can't there's no committee you could form to make someone force someone to change their their mind on how they view either a person, uh, a, a certain subject um, or how to go about their frustration. And so I don't agree with that at all. Where, I absolutely believe people can change. I, I I've seen it with my own two eyes throughout my life over and over again. People I change. Think, I don't think you everyone, can't turn a. Let's say that I'll say this. You're not going to turn 
the grand wizard of the KKK into the head of Black Lives Matter. But that's my point. But you can soften him to a point where he is more accepting of other people and other ideas. You absolutely can. I don't I don't think that I think I, I think that some people can change. Absolutely. But I don't think everybody is changeable. I didn't say that. <laughs> but that's my answer. That's what I mean, oh. is. I mean, is in, in the way the in the form of the question, I'm I'm seeing it as can the talk the toxicity go away entirely? No, I don't think it ever could go away entirely. Yeah, that's um, kind of what Matt was to, saying with like the five percent or whatever. Right? Can we do things to improve it? Absolutely. But is it going to go away forever? Well, Never. Well, that is something to be done, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> improve it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone ever. I don't think anyone has been done. I don't think anyone expects uh, toxic people to go away forever. Like that's just no. not. That's not the. <laughs> that would be awesome, but that's not, not the state happen. of humanity. That's not in our nature. <laughs> Unfortunately, I guess that's how I viewed the question. So that. Oh, that, interesting. So then, so then that's how it, it formed my your answer. idealistic view. You're like, yes. let's just wipe them all out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we do have our next poll of the week up, and it relates to what I think has turned into. A big battleground for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, and that's backwards compatibility. It has become this huge story, and I'm not 100% sure why, because it's been a thing for a long time. I think maybe because it is just this one thing where there is kind of a line drawn in the sand, and one company has one perspective on it, and the other one has another. Maybe the thing is, it's one of the few differentiators, really, other than the software. Um, but anyway, our, our poll is basically, you know, how important is backwards compatibility to you? Uh, it's in the header at sifted.net right now. Get on over there. Make your voice heard. Um, also, leave some comments uh, below the poll. Some of the comments, it, unfortunately, I, I wanted to get some together for this week, but maybe for next week. Some of the comments in our polls are amazing. You guys are really being thoughtful and taking time and writing some great stuff. Uh, so I'm going to start plucking a couple of those every week and reading them on Game Face. So feel free to get in there, share your take, and uh, we'll get to that poll on next week's show. Uh, one final piece of housekeeping before we get on to the show proper. Um, folks who watch Game Face or Pactor Factor or any of our content on YouTube, we have just launched YouTube memberships. You're now able to subscribe to our content and get it day and date with our patrons and our subscribers on sifted.net uh, and never leave YouTube. So we are wired into YouTube's monetary system now. You can subscribe to our channel there. You For $3.99 a month, you get Pactor Factor and Game Face. And then for an extra dollar a month, you get everything, all our content. And again, you get it day and date with our patrons and anyone who uh, subscribes on sifted.net. Um, now, you may ask, why is it a little bit more to just get Game Face and Pactor Factor? That's because YouTube takes a huge chunk of the money from that. They take 30%. Um, so if you give us that $3.99, we lose like a dollar thirty or dollar forty from that sale. Uh, so that's why the pricing is a little bit different. But most folks on YouTube do just watch Game Face and Pactor Factor. And so for four bucks a month, you can stay on YouTube and you can get all our content. You'll get this episode tomorrow on YouTube, if you're a member there. And we've already got a pretty good number, actually. I've been pleasantly surprised uh, by how many people have joined there already. Some people just like to stay on YouTube, and I totally get that. Uh, and so I'm glad that we're able to offer this to you guys. Um, and with that, let's get on with the show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Ready to get away from it all without losing all the comforts of home? 
DeShazer Ryan Realty has a once-in-a-lifetime 200-acre estate for sale in Libby, Montana that gives new meaning to the phrase roughing it. This eye-popping main lake house on this sprawling estate has four bedrooms and bathrooms, phone, and internet. There are also separate guest and caretaker houses. It's the first time this property has ever been for sale, so don't let the chance to buy a slice of outdoor heaven pass by. It can be yours for $3.4 million. If you're interested, no matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. He can also connect you with local realtors who can help you with your specific needs. If you want to see more, head on over to www.snowshoeranchmt.com. That's snowshoeranchmt.com. Man, I was wish I was there for my 4th of July. That would be beautiful. <laughs> I probably would have burned the whole wilderness down with fireworks or whatever. Uh, but a big thanks to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring the show. Sponsor Sponsorships are huge for us. They make a big, big difference. And if you're interested in sponsoring the show, uh, you can head over, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. Why can't I talk today? What's going on? Um, Patreon.com slash sifted. And there's a tier there for a sponsorship if you're interested in getting involved with our business. So with that, it's time for Game Phase 2020. 220. What is going on with me today? I'm losing my mind. It's time for 2020 proper. We're going to kick things off with uh, the biggest thing that happened this week. It was Ubisoft Forward 2020. Um, now, leading up to this and before this happened, I, at least personally, was under the impression that this was Ubisoft's big blowout, and that was all we're getting for the year. It was just like its big E3 press conference. Um, we probably weren't going to hear anything from Ubisoft until next year at some point. But as it turns out, these forward events are actually Ubisoft's Nintendo Direct. So as soon as this ended, um, Ubisoft announced that there will be another one before the end of the year. So I honestly wish I had known that before I watched it because my attitude towards what happened on Sunday changed drastically once I heard that news, but I was watching it live and it ended and I was like, what the hell was that? Where are all the games? Um, and honestly, if you really break it down, there were three games in Ubisoft Forward. Uh, and we're going to talk about all three of them because one thing is that they were really blown out. Um, and in some cases, big changes being made. Um, and I think not the least of which is the first game that we're going to talk about. And that is Watch Dogs Legion. Um, I think you just missed the dance numbers. <laughs> My dancing panda wasn't there. That was a depressing <laughs> moment. Did you guys miss any of that stuff, actually? I mean, because Ubisoft is one of those press conferences that... You know, it gets a lot of flack from gamers, but it is like memorable. At least there's stuff in there that other press conferences don't do. Did you guys miss any of it? I mean, I, I miss Pactor's reactions to it. Yeah, <laughs> not actually having to see it. No, I, yeah. I did. I, I I think they bring oh, yeah? the fun. I think they bring a different energy compared to the different conferences, and so there's always one that I'm willing to like see how crazy they're gonna go. Yeah, they did laser tag in the crowd the one year. They always have the big dance numbers for Just Dance where they get out in the crowd and dance. And most people, if you're at those things, they get really annoyed by them. Like if you're sitting around the press, all you hear is just grumbling and moans while that stuff is going on. Um, but, you know, it does make for pretty good television. It's certainly something that can appeal to the casuals and maybe snare them in so that they watch maybe at least a little bit of what is traditionally a pretty hardcore a type press presentation. But they kick things off with 
the really the only game where a lot of information hadn't been spoiled before the event because the other two big games, Far Cry, uh, the trailer for that leaked the day before, kind of. It was like a foreign language version, but we could see it. We knew it was real. And then, of course, we talked last week for like 30 minutes about Assassin's Creed because of a gameplay leak. Uh, so Watch Dogs Legion was one of the only one of the three that we weren't completely spoiled on. Uh, and really, I guess the big revelation is that they've completely done away with the classes that they had talked about previously, and now there are no classes. And it really is just a free-for-all, become-anyone-you-want game. Um, I am surprised because I thought if there were any big changes coming to that game, that they would dial it back and make it less ambitious. But it sounds to me like what they've done with this has actually made it more ambitious and it's coming October 29th. Matt, were you surprised? Um, no, but only because I know some people who work on it. Um, but like, not that they've told me when it comes out or anything, but I knew that they were kind of like reworking. There was sort of a attitude of like, like, yeah, we're working really hard because we think it can be more like what we think it can be, I guess is the way to to put it. Like, like, you're right. It's not less ambitious. It's like, they're like, why don't we just like go for it? And yeah, like that's what's happening here. And it's coming out way sooner than I thought. Again, like I thought to hit that that type that type of a release date and not go into fiscal early 2021, I thought mm-hmm. they would have to dial it back. But as it turns out, they've gone, they've dove in head first, and it's still yeah. coming pretty soon. I mean, this game has been they've been working on this game since before the second game came out. And yeah. they've reinvented it a couple of times, I think. But like it's it's been a while. Also, like um, like I have my, I, I was uh, when when they said October 29th, my first thought was like, okay, well then when then when's Valhalla coming out? Right. Um, and we'll probably get we'll get to that later. But like the 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 distance is three weeks between these two games, and like that's that was surprising to me until I thought of something. So um, which I think I said to you in text after after the presentation. Yeah, but, share it. Um, so like my, my theory is that. Um, especially because uh, they had Spencer come on and talk about some stuff and they talked about Assassin's Creed a, a little bit in that. Mm-hmm. My guess is that Watch Dogs has a tie-in with PS5 and Assassin's Creed has a tie-in with Xbox Series X and uh, Watch Dogs Legion is on October 29th because that's when the PS5 comes out and Assassin's Creed is on November 17th because that's when Series X comes out. It's very possible. And I, and I think that's also why Cyberpunk went to November 19th because it puts it in the... Or maybe it's a couple days before it launches and 19th is the launch date of the console. Like, that happens sometimes. Games come out before the launch. I, I remember buying Dreamcast games a week before the system was out. Yeah, like, yeah, they went on sale before yeah. the actual console went on sale. Um, so, like, that's my that's my pet theory. I don't have any inside I info on that. But, that like, I think that's sense. what's happening. I think, th- I think these are launch titles. And I mean, that's, why, also, that's why you're launching two super huge open world major AAA games three weeks away from each other from the same company. Like, that's yeah. the only thing that makes sense to me. I mean, also, there is some evidence to back up your idea. I mean, those two games have already been tagged kind of with those platforms. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah. There's like marketing deals in place for yeah. those games with those platforms. So right. it, it makes perfect sense. They also um, are tied via the free upgrade. So like if you mm-hmm. upgrade from the, the last gen, this gen version to next gen, it's free for both consoles. Yep. Which is exactly what I've been saying for like a year. Yeah. So like that, there's this the only move that makes sense, and it seems like Sony got to that a little late, maybe because that's what Microsoft already decided to do. 
But uh, so we, we might be seeing uh, the reverse of last gener this generation, the previous generation, where uh, Microsoft uh, tried to do a thing early and everyone hated it and Sony was able to counter it. And now it looks like something that Microsoft is doing uh, is popular and Sony has had to play a little bit of catch up. Do you think that Microsoft and Sony have coordinated these launches together in any way? I mean, I'm sure they know enough about when this is launching or that is launching, and they know, that they know to stay away from each other. Um, yeah. And I'm, you know, you can probably find out from the factory. You know, I'm sure there's like, you know, just production is kind of an internal secret. And, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, we know from being at E3 and other events and stuff that like, you know, exec executives from these companies are friendly with each other. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, friends. <laughs> it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock. I mean, it's, it's in both of their advantages to, know when the other is launching to keep yeah. their their plans away from each other so that's po it's possible i mean yep so let's talk about watchdogs legion and what they actually showed as i said it's now completely freeform and you can literally recruit anyone in the game um and they the gameplay and the presentation they put out a lot of media for everything from forward like as soon as forward ended it was just like Cha-chung for pretty much every one of its games except yeah, you, Far Cry. You wanted gameplay. You, yeah, you got, you got it. it. You got a lot of it. And then not only that, they had worked with all the sites, and those sites put up like four-hour chunks of like mm -hmm. coverage. Um, so you can't say that they they didn't uh, that they were trying to uh, hide anything. They just basically laid all their cards on the table with these games. Not the least of which was Legion. Um, did we know what the real the plot was in this game before now? Because I yeah. I know I didn't. But, I mean, I, I knew vaguely enough that, like, you know, it's more CTOS stuff and they've basically locked down and become a, uh, a tyranny, um, a tyranny state in the UK. And that's like kind of what you're fighting against. We hadn't seen the guy who runs the, uh, the organization the system. Yeah, we hadn't seen the guy who runs the system yet. So he's clearly the, one of the major villains. Um, and then so, that lady, uh, we did see the lady and the, and the lady who's more of the, yeah, more of the black market running the black market. So like, it, there'll be multiple factions. Um, my thing for this is I just hope that they have like kind of um, a direction, more of a pointed direction for it. Because to, to pass the time, I've been playing, replaying uh, Watch Dogs 1 and 2 a little bit. Uh, not like, you know, starting over, but just like dipping right. into my old saves and kind of messing mm -hmm. around. And like it really is striking how unfocused they are in terms of like directing you where to go next or what to do or giving you a reason to care about what you're supposed to do next in the main quest. Like mm -hmm. there's a bunch of times in Watch Dogs 2 where I'm just like, uh, but I could pick one of these like myriad missions I'm supposed to do that's all mixed in with the online bullshit, which I really don't like. Um, yeah. It feels like you never clear your quest. It's overwhelming. Out. It's, it's, it's too much. It's, it's, it's yeah. like so many choices. You just sort of shut down and decide to, to like auto drive cars through intersections and blow <laughs> things up. Like that's really uh, what I end up doing in every play time like I play Watch Dogs 2. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm hoping Watch Dogs Legion has, um, if not more of a focus, more of a um, an organic way to kind of get in and out of progress, if that makes sense. It um, seems like the focus was really them showing you how you could complete the same mission mm -hmm. with different people they they did it and then if you went and checked out all the coverage on GameSpot or ign they did it they're like okay here's us mm -hmm. doing this as an old lady here's us doing this as a truck driver um that seemed to be the thrust of yeah the idea coverage. Is they're, they're really trying to like realize the uh, you know that thing that you always see in the marketing bullet points of like you know choose how you want to do it and this is like well, and there's, you know, just in the demo the, the, of, in the forward presentation that, you know, they, they run in with a, a, a construction worker with a nail gun, which yeah. is pretty funny. Uh, and then they um, then they go in with a drone person 
and then they yeah. they they basically recruit one of the bad guys and have him just walk in with his clearance, get the stuff yeah. he needs, and and overhears the main bad guy. Um, Plotting so you make to one overthrow mistake. the world, yeah. yeah. Plotting, plotting to overthrow the world, basically, and then murdering a guy uh, in a boardroom. So <laughs> yeah. there you go. Um, so I, I mean, I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Like it gives you an opportunity. It basically shows. Um, I think that the the big change, at least from what I recall, like last E3's demo, it felt like you were going to need different classes to do different things, and it looks like they've changed it so you can use any class to do whatever you want. So if you want to have your whole squad be just like grannies drone with drone experts. skills, yeah. you can. You know, yeah. So that's that's a good change. I think that's more of a realization of what the concept demands. Yeah, um, I agree a thousand percent. I think this is a huge upgrade for Legion. Huge. My interest mm -hmm. in this game skyrocketed. Um, for it those definitely seems like it would feel less compartmentalized now. Yeah, I mean, I, it's on my radar as like a game of the year candidate after what they showed. If they can, pull I'm just it happy it's coming out because I yeah. need that alter alternate <laughs> on the fucking uh, fantasy team. Yeah, uh, for those of you who don't who don't know what the plot is, here's the official synopsis from direct from Ubisoft. Uh, after a mysterious assailant initiates devastating terror attacks on London, DeadSec, the secret underground resistance, who is being is being blamed for the attacks. So you're basically trying to clear DeadSec's name throughout the game. Um, which feels very familiar. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to motivate me all that much. It also um, feels a little, um, I don't know, something about the way it's it's set up or presented makes me feel like they're they're taking some pages from Ghost Recon. Like yeah. the, the giant open space where you just have things to do and things you do will advance stuff and, and upgrade you, but you can kind of choose what to do as you do it. Yeah. Um, there's lots of parallels be between this game and again with a Ubisoft game between this game and what's going on in the real world. They, they seem uncanny to be able to predict what's going to happen in two years. It's very mm -hmm. odd. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then they, they did talk about some other new features, um, like being able to hijack armed drones. Um, you can use like augmented reality to reconstruct past events. Mm -hmm. And like almost this like investigative angle to the game, which I thought was cool, and I hadn't really seen much of that uh, leading up to this. Um, and then I think that's a brand new revelation. Is it? I don't. I don't remember hearing about that before. Yep. And then hacking, obviously, which is a tenet of the franchise, mm -hmm. the very first one. Uh, that's pretty much what it was all about. So you can see how they've expanded into kind of these two other buckets now from what they did with the first game, which is good. That's showing progression for the franchise, which is what you want. Um, Watch Dogs has always had a lot of potential. It just never felt like they quite got it. Yeah. Um, it felt like you know, even Watch Dogs Two felt like something of a reinvention of the wheel. Yeah, because um, it feels like they knew they had something. They just had to find it, and it's taken them three games to get there. Um, I mean, and part of the problem, just replaying some of Watch Dogs One, part of the problem is like I don't know who approved Aiden Pierce. <laughs> as a protagonist for that yeah, first game, but oh boy, what yeah, he should have got the red light. <laughs> wrong direction, folks. What is the uh, what's the word for the antithesis of charismatic? Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there is one. I'm just... Whatever it is, that's what you would call that dude. Yeah, very not compelling at all. Um, and then one of the another big thing that they have changed actually for this build that they just showed. They've completely redone the melee system, and it looks crazy. Mm -hmm. Like you Somebody, can, somebody's like, watching a lot of John Wick. Yeah. Uh, how about that one scene where they have like a, a guy all dressed in black? He's like an assassin, mm -hmm. and he's infiltrating that base. How about that whole sequence? That's totally John Wick, where he's like well, they flipping use the over same dudes. Song from the movie. 
Yeah, like, disabling their the weapons and putting them under their chin. Like, dude, if if you could do that in the, in the game, in addition to all the other stuff that you can do, that's pretty freaking sweet. I mean, that's take, that's taken right out of the game. So yeah, that, that, those those certain characters will have the skills to do those takedowns. Sweet. Not, the all melee them, not all of them, crazy. but like one shot where a dude headbutts another dude in the chest. Wasn't didn't that uh, soccer player Zidane do that or something? Z- Zidane did, yeah. Zidane. Like I mean, that's that guy. I mean, the, the character that does that is clearly like the pub like brawler hooligan, hooligan guy. Yeah, yeah the like, soccer hooligan guy. Yeah. Like they are drawing on on like kind of the stereotypes of London yeah. uh, to it's sort like of GTA in that way these. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's. I mean, I like it. I, I think. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential. Like I say, I, I've always said that about Watch Dogs. There's a lot of potential there if they can find it. Yeah. Um. And the, and it looks like this looks much closer to what I you know. And so did Watch Dogs too. But like this looks looks much closer to what I want from a Watch Dogs game. Um, from a game about sort of like elite elite hackers like fighting the man kind of thing. Like that's what I'm kind of after with this. And it look and I I love the the dis, you know the dispersed protagonist idea. Like that's a really cool way to go about it. It's almost the reverse of the nemesis system. Yeah. It is kind of. Yeah. Almost like but, it's inverted. Yeah. So um so I'm into it. Yep. Uh, then the final tidbit that they dropped, I don't even know if they actually mentioned this in the presentation, but they've released this information since, is that there will be four-player co-op in the game. However, you cannot play the campaign with three other players. They are se- special separate co-op missions that you can hmm. go into the online environment and play through. So That's interesting. They've been so obsessed with mingle player in that series that that would yeah. be a pretty big change. Yeah. But you know I, what? If they can fine-tune missions I, yeah. so that you have to make use of you know, all the abilities of all these different people to be successful, it could be really, really cool. Like yeah, I think to I, find very specific people to recruit to complete missions and stuff. I definitely prefer that idea to like forcing other players into my game and stopping every. That's one of the other thing about Watch Dogs 1 that amazes me now is like they just stop the game to make you play an online mission at random points. And you can turn yeah. it all off, obviously, but like you're missing kind of part of the game. But like, I've been in the middle of stuff and suddenly it's like, oh, you're being hacked by, you know, th- uh, you know, like, 420 smoke every day 969 <laughs> hey. and I'm like okay I guess I got to do this now so <laughs> yep so look for me personally my interest in Watch Dogs Legion went up significantly um it one I didn't think it was coming out this year so I kind of just written it off a little bit and just forgotten about it and been like okay well you know I'll start getting serious about that game once we get into 2021. So the fact that it's coming so soon was a surprise. The fact that it has so many changes and upgrades just since we saw it last is amazing. Yeah. So I, mean, I was kind of hoping it would be this year, but like when they yeah. announced Valhalla, I really thought that that was the end of yeah. that. I thought they were like going to be like March, like barely scraping in to end of first quarter. It's going to be a great Q4. I mean, you got three juggernauts right in a row there. You got Watch Dogs Legion. You got Cyberpunk 2077. You got Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I mean, you got boom, Miles Morales. Boom, you, got, boom, uh, boom. you got a Halo. It's going to be awesome. And we have new consoles. It's probably gonna, Call, of Duty. Probably call of Duty in there somewhere. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm so freaking excited. We, we assume there's a Call of Duty this year. Yeah? There is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And whatever Nintendo's releasing. Yeah. We don't even I know mean, that, that is, yet. That is a pretty big X factor right now. Honestly, we don't really mm-hmm. know. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but we just talked about it for literally like 40 minutes last week. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about it a ton this time. Although I would say they showed a ton of new stuff, even that wasn't mm-hmm. in that because we picked that demo clean. 
We we found yeah, every that, that little demo, thing in that demo. I mean, there were clips in the in the presentation from the demo, but yeah, like the demo. Were. I mean, the the they did the whole demo um, after the forward. They they went to like live. Uh, they went to like more in depth like stuff with the other games, and they uh, uh, they did that basically whole section, that whole thirty minute demo after, there. And I watched it again. It looked a lot better in their oh, screen because yeah. they had <laughs> you know full res footage and everything, and the animations and, were complete. And yeah, and then they moved on to Hyper Clash, and I turned it off. Yeah, <laughs> Hyperscape. You mean Hyperscape? Yeah, I don't even care. I don't it's hard know. to remember the name of that game. You're not the only one. I keep I keep mispronouncing it too. Um, but the, look, the crazy part is that there was a ton of new stuff because, as we said earlier. They, it was just an information dump for this game. They published 30 minutes of their own gameplay, completely different from that demo that leaked. And then, like we said, all the publications played, played it for four hours and were able to publish pretty much whatever they wanted. So tons of new stuff I was able to discover just watching footage from this. I'm just going to run through it quickly. Again, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this game because we just tackled it. Um, so we were wondering last week about what the two meters were above the enemies. The bottom meter is a stun meter. Um, and once you deplete the stun meter, they're basically sitting ducks and you can just finish them off. So that question was answered. It's actually not, I guess, is it a stamina meter? I guess, probably. Eh, sort of. I mean, kind stamina, stamp, usually I would consider a stamina meter to be something you use to do things. And yeah. a stun meter is something you that measures how badly you're getting your ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's what that second meter is below or above the heads of enemies. Um, enemy AI. Did you watch a lot of the footage, Matt? Yeah, I watched it. They're doing um, some crazy stuff, man. Like picking up like anything and using it for mm -hmm. a weapon, even dead bodies. There's one scene where an enemy picks up a dead body off the ground and throws the dead body at you. Yeah, there's. A, there, I think they're trying to go for sort of a you know, survive at all costs, sort of like, you know, war, you know, you win a fight however you win a fight sort of thing. So, like, that yeah. makes sense, like, that that this sort of, like, use anything around you to kind of, like, give yourself an advantage or, or throw the enemy off balance. And, like, it's a more dynamic approach to combat that we haven't seen in Assassin's Creed in a very long time. So, like, yeah. I think any kind of way of expanding how the game's combat works uh, is a good thing, especially because the last two games have pretty much done the exact same thing with each other. Yeah. Um and this one is similar uh but I do like that they're they're really messing with the combat like you can dual wield anything including shields which you is pretty great. You can have two shields if you want. Yeah. Like, pretty um, cool. Like that's that's that you know double yeah, captain America like that's the pretty whole good. game. Yeah. yeah. So like uh and I, and I, you know the and the combat seems to work a little differently depending on what you're dual wielding so like there's a lot of variety there's a lot of like uh, subtle subtle shifts there and I like that. I think that'll keep things interesting. Um, I mean, I will probably just use two swords the whole time, yeah. <laughs> like because I know will. me. But like, yeah. it, 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 you know, I'm sure like there's someone out somewhere out there, there's someone who is going to use two spears better than everyone else, and it's going to be some great footage on YouTube. Yep, and you'll, I'll watch it, and that'll be good enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing what they showed was the enemies do team up attacks where they work together to inflict massive damage on you. This is huge for me. This I have had issues with the AI in Assassin's Creed since the first game. It, it's been one of these games where they just sit and they wait their turns to attack. It looks like they're trying to flip all that on its Believe head. Believe we'll me, the, the combat people have been irritated with that too. I bet, I'm sure. So It's it, part I, of the reason, like, when you see games that work that way, and, you know, like, we, oh, the, the enemies attack you one at a time. You know, that's very common in a lot is, of games. Yeah. And one of the reasons that is is because, like, 
the producers or the or the marketing or whoever you know whoever's calling the shots is worried that if you make the enemies too dynamic in that regard, it's going to be too hard for the standard yeah. the, the casual gamer. Just and, drop down their hit points. And, That's uh, all you got to do. <laughs> so so this Balancing. is so this is like a, a pretty big step. It looks like. Yeah, um, I'm I'm stoked by it. It's a big deal. I think. I'm uh, sure that the thousandth time they do it, it will not be as impressive. But like. Yeah. Uh, Early on, it, it looked like they were actually, you know, you know, coordinating. They, it, it looks like they know how many of them are left and how many, how many they yeah. what they need to do to get through to you. There's like things where like you could see guys coming at you from kind of off camera a little bit, and yep. so you got to keep an eye on your back. Like, I liked it. I, yeah, I, I think it looked, uh, it looked like a, uh, it looked different for a game that so far has looked so much like its two predecessors. That was something that definitely made it look like, like, it's like an out. advancement. Yep. Well, I mean, it showed it, but at the same time, they only showed that sequence. When you watched the the forge, uh, the the rush on the castle, she was picking them off one by one. They were all just standing there. So I was really confused by that when they were like, "Is it only a certain type of enemy that will team up for a combo?" Because that's where I was a little thrown off by. Because uh, also the combat system, I think, doesn't work well with multiple enemies at the same time. And I, I'm hopefully they wait, wait, wait. You're talking about past Assassin's Creed games, right? Correct. And this one seems they are trying to address it, but so far in the combat, I haven't seen enough that I think they've addressed attacking or managing more than one enemy at the same time. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'm I'm not sure about that because I used to kill like 15 guys at once in in Odyssey without any problem. So you should watch Matt play uh, Odyssey sometime. Yeah, <laughs> he's I'm, I'm quite, curious he's quite how you good. play it, Matt. Because when I was playing Odyssey, <laughs> that was probably I would say one of the weakest points of its combat, especially when you're doing that that siege um, in regards to like uh, picking a side and doing battle against what, either the Greeks or the or the mm-hmm. um, Spartans is that they would the only way you would have an advantage if it, they came at you one by one instead of at more than once. Mm, I mean, I don't. I think you're right that it doesn't. It's not built tremendously well to handle multiple opponents. But I did not have trouble handling multiple opponents after a while. Uh, part of it is what, what weapon you pick. Um, they've added stuff over time. Like they have like that back block and mm-hmm. stuff. Like they've tried, and, but and this is like look like obviously this is a focus of this game. So I don't think uh, I think you're gonna have to play it first before yeah. we decide on that. You always like, got to play it first before you decide anything. That's the rule. Um, what else? Oh, stealth looks like it's coming back, and they showed crowd blending. They I, showed I actually, blending. Yeah, I actually t- I actually texted some people, and I'm like, crowd blending's back, and they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, on my like, notes, no, no one else is watching it, right? I'm like, in my notes, blending in all caps, exclamation point. When was what was the last game that had it? Was it two? Syndicate. 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 Okay, that's right. It did. Yeah. So it's been gone for a while. Good to see Assassin's Creed coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, part of that was because like the uh, the pre- last two games have not taken place in areas that are crowded enough to yeah. do that. Like, it's True. just you know, it's just it not didn't make sense part in a of lot it. of ways. Yeah. And so um, I was. I remember saying like back when I'm like, I think the next one they're going to need to set it. You know, as, as they progress through time and have bigger settlements, you're going to have to have situations where there's more people, and that gives the opportunity to bring back. The blade in the crowd idea, which was sort of the base concept of Assassin's Creed originally. So that's the other thing: the blade is back and full force, instant kills like it used to be. Um, it's not just some little dagger that you have now; it's back to its old power again. Some nods to the older games that I think should probably make uh, longtime fans pretty yeah. happy. Well, it, I'm interested to happy. see where they keep going, is because like at some point, you're, these the news the new games are going to kind of catch up to the time frame of the old games, and then you're right. going to be like, okay, well, what do you how do you it's, how do you rationalize it? Yeah. Recreate the old games 
ideas in the new game series sort of gameplay design. Like you're going to have to figure that out. And it looks like this is like a baby step towards that. Yep. Uh, Sinking appears to be back. Uh, They show a scene where he climbs to a tower and he blows a horn. Um, I believe if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan at that point, you go skull. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but it's their chant. It's yeah. annoying. <laughs> As a Bears <laughs> fan, a it's annoying. Fan. <laughs> As a Bears I've, fan, I'm sure I've you love it. I've been to that stadium. It's annoying. The new one? You've been oh, to the yeah. new? Yeah, oh, I saw wow. the, the last you're game lucky. of the season two years ago, and the Bears cool. kicked their ass. So It, it looks great. really nice, that stadium. Um, what else? Oh, it just goes on and on. Uh, tree parkour from Assassin's Creed 3. Mm-hmm. They showed a big part of that where he's running through the trees and on the branches and then jumps down from the top of a tree to assassinate. Um, something else that hasn't really been a big element of Assassin's Creed games for quite a while. So lots of throwbacks here. Uh, fishing with a bow. You use your bow and you can fish with it. Um, there's a like a stone stacking thing where you have to build a yeah. shrine. Build cairns, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of little mini games like that. Um, Viking rap battles. Is there a Viking rap battle? Yeah, yeah. Like they, there's a Viking. I mean, the uh, it's, it's a. Poetry they, I mean, slam. they mentioned that before, oh, um, but like they hadn't shown it before, and basically, it is an insult battle. And um, this is actually historically correct. It's like they would, they would like just it was basically who you, who could trade the insult back and forth best, and it had to be kind of like a. a it had to be like a like Mitch said, it has to be like a poem almost. It has to rhyme or whatever. So in the way they're doing that with the in English at least is. The, your your opponent says something at you, and then you get a bunch of response choices and a timer, and you have to basically pick the one that fits the meter and rhymes the best to what oh. he said, and that's awesome. Like, <laughs> as, a, as an English major, I'm just like, oh, you have finally given me the the, the mini game I want. Fine, here we go. So that was pretty cool that they're doing that. I'm sure it will get harder as you introduce uh, internal rhyme and uh, <laughs> iambic choices and maybe we'll have to construct a villanelle later but uh, it's, th- I thought that was a really cool inclusion according yeah, there, to chat's like goal means cheers okay that's I like that <laughs> I like a whole stadium of people yelling cheers that's pretty awesome <laughs> um, and again the more details just keep coming um, activities return governed by the adrenaline meter that's the other meter that you have it's an adrenaline meter would you consider, I guess that's a stamina meter. Sort of, yeah. Because <laughs> that is actually keeping you from performing certain acts inside the game. Um, I mean, the real stamina meter seems to be defense-based. Yeah. Um, you have, you have a, a meter that depletes when you defend and, and block things, and if you do it too much, you're going to get tagged. Um, which is like, you know, a, a good way to make the character feel less invulnerable, like the Odyssey character does, but like also not to like limit your offensive ability, because I think... Like certainly, when you play uh, a Souls game, that's where you run into trouble: is balancing defense and offense using the same it's stamina true. meter. Yep. And I would think that that is a pretty widespread problem for people who don't play games like Dark Souls much. Yeah. So that feels like a good way to introduce sort of like, hey, you gotta you gotta choose your moments, but we're also not going to penalize you attack wise if you want to just go buck biggity wild at this guy after you like, block <laughs> something right you know because otherwise like it, it is a different approach to a game like that wouldn't be yeah. fun in the way assassin's creed is yeah i mean they are completely different games for sure yeah. um other stuff there's no regenerating health you have to craft potions from all the stuff that you gather out in the world mm-hmm. um that's a mileage, big change yeah your mileage will vary with that i am not a fan of that having just played uh the final fantasy 7 remake where i thought it was one of the most absurd gameplay mechanics ever um, I'm not excited for that to be in Valhalla, 
But we'll see. Maybe they put that was in on it. That, that was in Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah, Final Fantasy Seven remake. Dude, didn't you have like eighty potions in your inventory at all times? I did. I guess I don't. I don't remember. I mean, it reminded this. Watching this, I'm like, oh, it's like Resistance. I mean, that game was, wasn't hard. The hardest part about the Final Fantasy VII remake was constantly watching to make sure that you didn't need to take a potion. Like, mm-hmm. that was really the challenge of the game is not getting distracted and not taking Right. I guess I just didn't expect auto-regenerating health from Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I, when I saw this, I thought more of Resistance Fall of Man, um, which did the thing where, like, you have the, in, the, the discrete health chunks, and if you drop below that chunk... It goes away, and you have to like get a health yeah. pack to to bring it back. But if you got if you kept it within okay that, with that. that chunk, it, it regenerated that chunk. I'd be okay. Um, with that. I like that system too. Uh, but we'll see how this goes. Like I, I understand kind of the the desire to do sort of a live off the land angle on, to make on a it Viking more like game. An RPG, really. I think. But they're trying to make it fit the tone and the and the theme of the Viking thing. Like like that. That's more. It makes more sense to do that with Viking stuff. I get it. Um, we'll see if it's annoying or not, though. Um, and then the final thing they really showed off was branching story paths and how they actually do impact things on down the road. Um, again, this was a part of the leak. Uh, at the end of a boss fight, you choose whether to let the guy live or to kill him. Um, and then that ends up trickling down because there's a wedding that happens. And if you let the guy live, then somebody shows up at the wedding that like he shows the up. wedding. He shows up and he like ruins the wedding and gets in an argument. And then if you kill him, obviously he doesn't show up there. So that was one example. I, that I bet his brother shows up instead, or something. I, I feel like it's not going to be that different. Yeah, it's just, it, could, it could be that. It could be that way. But they did say that that is not just an anomaly. That that mm. is something that happens over and over throughout the game. Uh, we'll see. We'll hold him to that whenever we yeah. get to play it. I mean, you can see them. They're really drawing from The Witcher Three on the like. There's a it really ton looks of like The Witcher, uh, like a Witcher game. I'll just be honest. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're also it's not like supernatural, the, obviously, but yeah, but like there's also even just like I mean, the setting is obviously gonna be a little similar because like the the medieval sort of you know would my fantasy. But there's also like there's a quality to the lighting they're using yeah, that feels absolutely. like The Witcher Three and like that kind of you know, and also like. The Witcher, the Witcher games do take place in wet, muddy locations a lot, and this also does. So there's a, like when they were when the characters when the main character is looking through like the cabin, kind of like a little house at one point goes in and looks through stuff like on that demo that leaked. Like yeah. I was like, oh, that yeah. I mean, like he might as well have white hair at that point. I mean, kind of yeah. does. The, the main character is blonde, sort of. But um, yeah, I think the Witcher three I know is in, is like internally among a lot of developers, sort of the gold standard of what an action RPG should be. Um, and so, uh, this, and then it's been very influential, but now you're starting to see, you know, five years later games that were begun production well after everyone had finished and digested Witcher three sort of coming to fruition with like all those lessons in place. And I think this is an example of that. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, me either. Um, I'm also really excited for Assassin's Creed Valhalla um, mm-hmm. after seeing all this stuff. Um, and if you keep watching the footage, there's just all these little details. Like when you're on the boat, you have to like pull, put down the mast before you can go under bridge. There's just all these You can have little, a ship cat. That's yeah. Great. There's just all this little stuff in the game. It's shaping up to be pretty cool. It looks good to me. Um, we'll see. It's Again, mm-hmm. it's not far away either. November 17th, I believe, yep. is the release date for that one. Two, two days before Cyberpunk. Bold. Oh, man. <laughs> How's that going to work for us? <laughs> uh, just go back and forth a lot, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, That's going to be some whiplash there. It may be a case where, like, 
They're trying to play Dragon Age and Mass Effect at the same time. The other plays Assassin's Creed for a week, the first week. And then we flip for the next week's episode of Game Phase. Then I jump on to the other one, and then you jump on to the other. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'm, I'm just going to play. I'll I'm just going to both. Yeah, I'm just going to play both of them simultaneously. Mitch will finish them in 18 hours. Yep, before you Both off. of them. I ain't, waiting, I ain't waiting a week to play either one of those games. So. Yeah, it's tough, though. It's like, what do you do? And there's such different worlds. It's like mm-hmm. jumping from one to the other is going to be jarring, to say the least. It's, like so. it's going to be like playing Mass Effect and Dragon Age at the same time. Yep. Like, I, I, I don't say, know where I am. I, I will say at the actual event that they did for Ubisoft, I will say I was a little muddled uh, by everything they, they said because there wasn't very much of it. Um, We're not but, wrapping up yet, Mitch. We oh, still no, got to talk about no, some stuff. No, but I'm talking about Van Hala, but like the stuff they announced later on made the game seem a lot more interesting. Okay. I thought it all looked great. I'm really excited for that game. And I wasn't at all really before, I'll be honest with you. I think the so animation's the mission choppy, accomplished. But that's just my biggest thing so far I've seen from Valhalla is I think the animation's really, really choppy. Uh, it's definitely better than it was in that leak. They have improved it a ton. That leak was like busted in some ways. Um, and then the final big game from Ubisoft Forward, forward was, far, why can't I say that? Was Far Cry 6. Uh, this leaked before... Actually, a couple days before, we kind mm-hmm. of knew some details about it. The day before, the trailer leaked, but it was like, I don't know if it was like a Russian version or whatever. I can't remember what language it, it was in, but you could still follow the story because the trailer's really good. The debut trailer for Far Cry 6 is one of the better trailers I've seen in quite a while. Um, and you you didn't have to understand the language to know what was going on in the trailer and the leaks. And then, of course, the next day, it's announced for real, Far Cry 6. Um, it's coming February 28th, 2021, earlier than I expected. Uh, February 18th. I thought it was initially they said the 18th, but then the leak said the, the 18th. The, yeah. the, thing, the leaked the, trailer the date, said the, the date. The date on the trailer on the forward said 18th. It did. I yep. will check it now. I'm running the trailer now. So. Oh, I thought it was 20th. Four days after my birthday. I am 100% certain that's what it said. So the teaser- I never watched the leak. The teaser trailer, the leak had the 18th, and then I watched the trailer the next day that said the 28th. So I don't know. What they ran in the forward presentation said the 18th. Interesting. Okay, uh, but anyway, it's coming earlier than I expected. A lot earlier than I expected. Um, let's see. the The big story probably is that um, one of the stars of Breaking Bad plays the well, one of the antagonists in Far Cry Six. Did they actually figure out or not whether the son is Voss from Has Far Cry 3? Confirmed. No, his name is Diego. Yeah, but I mean, he could have got a, a, a street name or whatever later on. Um, that seems unlikely, but uh, the, the, I don't know where the Voss thing is coming from. I know the guy who played Voss said like maybe he'll be playing him again soon or whatever, but like the last Far Cry had a bunch of standalone DLC, so that's what I think he's probably referring to as he will be mm-hmm. There will be standalone DLC that like has Voss in it. Okay. I don't. I don't think this is him. Scar on his face. Yeah, his eyebrow has the same scar. Same scar in the same exact position. Same exact scar. Well, that kind of blows the dramatic tension of that game, then, doesn't it? (laughs) Because like the whole thing is like, is he going to choose? What's he going to choose to be? And And, and uh, I was just thinking Voss would be like a nickname. I also don't think it. It it, time wise, it's impossible because Far Cry. No, Far Cry Six takes place today, so it oh, can't it's be present Voss. day. Yeah, he's got a smartphone. Like it doesn't. It can't be Voss. Hmm. 
He does. He's. I mean, he literally has the same exact scar through. His I mean, eyebrow. it might be a, a reboot because obviously they blew the world up in Far Cry Five. So yeah. you know, maybe maybe like this is just starting over in the universe, and they're going to build to a new Voss thing later with him. But like, he, he is a great character. That I seems mean, like a. It seems was like a stupid reach. to kill him off. To be honest, it's stupid. I mean, they killed him off too soon in Far Cry. Yeah, Three, he's hardly even in the game. I know. I mean, but he's all a the great that's the thing is like a lot of the villains in Far Cry games have that problem. More like. Yeah. Um, not necessarily that they kill him off too soon because they didn't do that after Voss, but like even like like pagan men is like they have to call you all the time because they're not really part of the the game, you know. Yeah. Like like they they there's like Far Cry games always have like their really strong opening and a really strong closing and usually like a thing in the middle and that's it. Everything else is just sort of like this blur of ki- blur of killing like <laughs> panthers to make ammo bags kind yeah, of thing. It's true. Um, so like I don't know. I mean, I, we'll see how. Involved. There's also the kid is voiced by the the kid who played Co- uh, the main character in Coco. Oh, the Pixar movie. Then he's probably good. Um, probably. The the basics of the plot are it, the game takes place on an island called Yara, which is a fictional island in the Caribbean. Basically, is Cuba. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. Very um, Cuba. I mean, you can tell that from like kind of how it's got that sort of like trapped in the past. They like have all, all the old cars, cars and, and like yeah, it's, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, like it's, it's Cuba. It's very thinly disguised. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you play as a revolutionary leader uh, named Danny Rojas, um, and he's trying to overthrow the leader of the mm. island, who is played by Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito. He plays Anton Casillo, and then Anton is getting up in age, and he has a young son, as we were talking about, and his goal is to basically turn his young son into him a ruthless dictator and the trailer so powerful is really all about one of those transformative moments where he forces the child to become violent horribly violent um and that's really all the information that we've got (laughs) other than the fact that there will be uh different groups of revolutionaries across the island uh, that you link up with and you become allies with. It also has the uh, the animal system where you recruit animals to fight along your side, which was a part of the last Far Cry game. Um, and that's really it. I mean, it's notable that there's a city. Yeah, uh, there's, never been a, there's never been a city in a Far Cry game before, so that's interesting. That's true. Yeah, there's like an urban area in this one, which is a pretty big deal. You're not going to just be out in the jungle the entire time. Uh, which is good. I think that the the series definitely needs mm-hmm. something like that to break it up. And I think they're also pretty long. I do think there's going to be um, like you know, there's always Far Cry always has drugs involved. Yep. Somehow, <laughs> um, and if you watch the the intro, like the before, you know, they they have the the trailer with the with uh, Anton and Diego, but before that, they do that sort of fancy stylized intro, which is actually by the guy who did the Westworld intro. Yep. Um, and. Uh, you can see there's a lot of spraying of a red gas, a red fog on things like they're all this. So I, th- I think whatever that is, it's probably it looks like there's some kind of tech biotech thing that maybe Anton starts that causes like something like I feel like there's going to be that's they did the it drug. Eden. I mean, it's right. pretty common. Well, I think, for well, I think that's the drug. The red, the red drug. mist is the drug in this, right. whatever that is, whether it's it's some pesticide or it's, I don't know what well, they're doing. Well, there's also like, a snake in the intro. So I was thinking snake venom, like a mixture of some kind of snake yeah, I don't know. An alligator. Was it was a crocodile alligator? at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, it looked like a snake. Sorry. No, it's a crocodile. It's a crocodile watching the conquistadors sail in and ruin everything. Yep. <laughs> so, which is another interesting element because it's like, okay, so it starts with an al- a croc- crocodile, which is clearly there from the beginning, right? Like, yeah. cl- cl- clearly there from before colonization and watches the Spanish ships sail in and watches the conquistadors come in and you get the hands with the, the breaking the chains and everything. So, like, 
the implication of that is that like the problems they're going through now in Yara are systemic and go back all the way to colonization and like that, you know, and so you got to wonder, it's like, is that going to be addressed in the game or is it just cool images? You know, like, yeah. like there's always that question in Far Cry. It's like, they always have these like really cool, interesting premises that are like deal with like, you know, a lot of times, like you said before, like deal with like the current zeitgeist to the political real, real realities of things. And then they just, don't go jump all it. over it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, you got to wonder crap the bed. Yeah. You got to wonder if like, yeah, you know, will we see some more follow through on that in this? Yeah. Will we all, is this also going to be one of those short far cry games or is this going to be one of the long ones that takes you over 30 hours? I'm oh, no, it's, a, it's got a number on it. It'll be one of the long ones. Yeah. Instead of the subtitle. So what do you guys think? Are you excited for this? Yeah. I mean, I, I love the Far Cry games for the most part. I didn't think five was amazing um, in part because I thought the villains were annoying and I thought the setting was not as, in I'm sorry, Montana is not as interesting as a far, far flung weird place. It was fine. Like I didn't, it's not like I didn't enjoy five, but of the modern Far Cry games, like that started, I would say with three. Um, that's the one that I think I was, uh, that was the least memorable to me. I like New Dawn better because New Dawn had the post-apocalyptic setting that had a little more verve to it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, this could be interesting. I mean, uh, I'd like to see more, I guess I'd like to see some gameplay. Like I was yeah. a little surprised we didn't see anything. I mean, they they put some screenshots out after the presentation, but they're pretty obviously, you know, the standard Ubisoft bull shots. But you're thing. right though. Like, like I looked at the screenshots and I'm like, we never saw the game. No. <laughs> Nothing. Like not even like a couple quick shots of what it even looks like in yeah. coming out it was in February. It's not February, like this yeah. is coming out like two years from now. It's coming in like six months. I mean, we'll probably see it whatever the next forward is. I'm sure that'll be one of the blowouts is that. Well, we'll um, get to what's going to be in the next but, one because there was a lot of like, stuff missing in this one. <laughs> but it's just like, um, I mean, it's cool. It's nice to know it's coming. It's coming. You know, that's about the early part of the year is when Far Cry's tend to release. So that makes sense that that's where it is. Um, I'll watch Giancarlo Esposito read the phone book. So exactly. It's, like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm in. I just. Yeah. It's not, like, the it's not a ton to be excited about yet because they have. He's been so too... different in real life compared oh, to the so characters nice. he so cool. plays. It's so bizarre. And like, you like, see, you see, he was talking about how um, he's saying like the next logical step for him is the MCU. Yeah, and yeah. he's thinking about, and so everyone's like, "Oh, he'd be Doom, or he could be, uh, he could be uh, Magneto, or he could, you know, all these villains they want to name him. Like, he would actually be a really good Norman Osborn um, for Spider-Man stuff." But yeah. my pick, uh, and hear me out. Professor Xavier. That's what I was going to say. If you're going to pick a hero, Professor yeah, Xavier. Cause, is cause he, cause he, the comic book version, I mean, everyone I think is familiar with Xavier through the Patrick Stewart sort of cuddly Captain Picard portrayal. But in the comics, Xavier is a little shifty. Like yeah, he's a little, he is, like he's, yeah. He's, he's, like, he's a father figure and he's kind of, but there's something behind the eye. You're like, what's he doing? What's he still, he's got a scheme going. And I think Esposito would nail that. He can be like the Good. warm father figure. But then like, as soon as, as soon as the X-Men like leave the room, he just got that last one shot of him, like, glaring at the door yeah. like what's he do what's he doing he's like so good i think he'd be an amazing professor he's xavier he's just he'd be an amazing great. anything whatever he, whatever he wants to play but i'd like to see him be a character that comes back over and over and over in the marvel movies because okay. i think for i think it's a great choice of actor i just really hope they get a good script for him and they utilize him well mm -hmm. i think that's just the biggest 
Uh, I'm not as into the Far Cry games because I think they the the thing that they push is the villain. It's on the cover, so it's obviously the villain, and they seem to miss every single time with it. It's just they they need something to really make them more involved with the plot than they are because it seems like they always have to call you to remind you they're still around instead of actually having them direct involvement in the game and so i yeah. think that's what matt was saying you have yeah. a good beginning a good end mm-hmm. and in yeah. the middle there's just a whole lot of killing and, and i think it's doable <laughs> because if you look at i think i think something throughout this entire thing is they've shown that they have changed directions as ubisoft and going away from formulas and i think this might be going away from the formula as well uh in regards to not doing the same game over and over again and so well, my optimistic take on that would be if you're going to hire Giancarlo Esposito, you better have that script in place. He can like, also turn they've a never done that. script into magic. Yeah, but they've also never hired a real name actor to play the villain in any of these Far Cry games before. And part of that might have been budget, but a part of it is also like they didn't have any material worth doing that with yet. You know, I mean, Troy Baker really did a good job as Pagan Min, but like he is it's still not like you know troy baker is not Giancarlo esposito not to say that performance wise but just in terms of big name celebrity status so the fact that they are hiring hollywood actors who we've heard of uh to play these characters says to me that that they at least think they have something elevated over what they've done before so fingers crossed for that Yep. Uh, and then some final things that were in there that we didn't really care about or most people probably didn't care about. Brawlhalla is coming to mobile on August 6th. Yay. That's Ubisoft <laughs> Smash, Smash Brothers clone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Might and Magic Era of Chaos is coming to mobile. Who cares? Um, they did show some updates to Rainbow Six Siege, which I do mm-hmm. hope people care about. We're not going to get into them. And then the one thing that they did show that was a new game was Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. Uh, that had been announced before, but we got the first trailer for it. It is a basically like a strategy game set in the Tom Clancy universe. Uh, the trailer for it was really cool. I feel uh, like I'd seen that before. That trailer? That, that game. I feel like I knew about that game. Yeah, it had yeah, been announced somewhere. a while ago. This was just the first trailer that they had mm. put out for it. Um, so we've known about it for quite a while, but this was the first look at it. And it Sam Fisher was wrong- like the star of the whole thing from Splinter Cell. Well, I was going to say it's the wrong type, type of uh, Sam Fisher blowout you want because m- many people are not happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, it might be time to give up on the Splinter Cell hopes, folks. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, uh, I mean, at least of the three big games, Far Cry 6, number three for me as far as interest, it may be because I didn't get to see him play it. That probably has a little bit of an impact on it. But just overall, my interest in playing that game is is probably the lowest. Also, Far Cry three. 6 is, you know, unless they, the gameplay reveal shows us something really revolutionary, Far Cry 6 is the most known quantity of those yeah. three games, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the 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 Tom Clancy thing I was most interested in was run before the presentation started, and that was the update to Breakpoint that adds your squad back in. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> they had to um, release a trailer for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. So that's fun. I mean, cool. Like I w- I might go back to it for that just because I did miss the squad. I like that part of uh, of um, Wildlands. Yep. And then there was just tons of stuff missing. Uh, several huge games. Um, Gods and Monsters wasn't there. Rainbow Six Quarantine wasn't there. Um, and then if, and when it ended, I'm like, what? I'm like, where are all these games? Roller Champions wasn't there. And uh, and then they announced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one man who cares about Roller one. Champions. Well, and I realized. Just dance. Like, I'm waiting for the opportunity for them to say, 
Just Dance is going to be on more platforms than ever before, including the Wii, because they still yeah. release it for the Wii. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Just Dance yeah. is on mobile. It's on your mobile. It's already on your mobile right yeah, now. It's we been just there put it there. Since you bought your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-installed. <laughs> yep. So so I was pretty disappointed when it, it when it ended initially. I was like, oh my God, like they just forgot half of their lineup. Are these games like delayed into forever? I mean, Skull and Bones, they did announce this being reworked again. Again. So that's a lot of reworking for pirate ships blowing each other. Yeah. When we've already had Assassin's Creed that did it. Yeah, it feels quite like well. you got a template. Yeah. I I don't know what's going on with that game. I think it might end up getting canceled. Um Possibly. But regardless, there are several big games from Ubisoft they didn't show, but we're gonna apparently gonna get a look at those in the next month. And my my assumption on this is that like they were showing us the immediate lineup. Yep, like what's, what's coming, coming before the end soon. of the year and in February. Yeah, so probably quarantine isn't coming until after February of next year. Gods and Monsters probably isn't coming yeah. until after February of next year. Um, uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, to... God knows where that is. Um, yeah, mm. I was, was going to say uh, Gods and Monsters for a game that was going to come out in like six months from when yeah. they announced it two years yeah, ago. It was supposed to be like last January. Yeah, huh? and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like nowhere to be seen. Beyond Good and Evil 2, they didn't show. I mean, we all know that that's moved to next gen at this point. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, the good news is we're going to get another look at their stuff in a couple months. So yeah. I was bummed when it ended at first and I was like, that was a really crappy press conference. But then when I understood that it was just one of a tree or of a pair that are coming before the end of the year, I was like, okay, now I kind of get what they're doing now. So with all that in mind, we're going to give a rating oh, for Ubisoft mm. Forward. I'll start. I'll give him. You didn't talk about the Phil Spencer message. Oh, what Phil Spencer message? He just popped up briefly and was uh, like, hey, Xbox is, is excited. But I did kind of reference that, though, because when I said earlier how they had joined up with yeah. Assassin's Creed, that's he what I was me, hinting But at. I mentioned, he mentioned both Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed, but he spent more time focusing on Assassin's Creed, which is my, why my guess is, is, is Assassin's Creed has an Xbox deal. Yeah. Um, so I just think we should ban the phrase... I can't wait for you to see from all game marketing and PR. Like I'm just like I don't. They wouldn't care have any press conferences. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Let let the man wake up yeah. before you record the thing in his own home office. Like it just. It, yeah. I, I know we're in the, we're in our quarantine times and all, but sometimes it just feels like no one quite knows where they are. I think also yep. the other comment was he he's had a Microsoft and can't afford a nice microphone. Uh, <laughs> well, the headsets that they sent out with Xbox are pretty crap at this That's point. That's true. <laughs> they're that like true. barely a headset at this point. They're barely so, plastic. Yeah, they're they're really, really cheap. So uh, it's time to give it a, a letter grade rating. For me, I'm going to give forward a C. Um, I, I actually didn't miss a lot of the stuff from Ubisoft's usual press conferences. I didn't really miss the dance number. I didn't really miss seeing some weird toy that may or may not ever get released. Um, I liked how I liked their presentation better as a direct where it was just like, Hey, here's this thing. Look at it now. And then they show it to you. Mm -hmm. um, it, now, if we were to compare this to like Ubisoft's press conference from E3 2019, it's like an F. Um, but it turns, it turns out that's not really what it was. And uh, we're getting another one. So I'll give them a flat C. I thought the stuff that they did show looked really, really good. Matt. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it like a B minus. I was happy with pretty much everything they showed, except the little some stuff in the middle I didn't care about. That was that was minor. 
Um, I didn't miss anything about the press conference aspect. Um, I have no real affection for the spectacle of that stuff and kind of the time-wasting elements of it. Um, if you want to just do this thing, it's kind of Nintendo Direct style thing where you just show me the game, show me the game, show me the game, like Sony has done for a long time, which we kind of maybe forget because they haven't done a press conference in two years. Um, I am completely fine with that. Like usually in that scenario, you have more games and shorter presentations. This was more the other direction, like long presentations of a few games. Um, but I'm okay with that too, as long as I'm interested in the games. Like that's kind of the trick is like, if I didn't care about one of these games, it would have been a big turnoff. But, um, as it stands, I thought it was really good. Um, now, one thing I did notice, I watched it, I watched the YouTube stream, and there were only 83,000 people watching that stream. And I was mm-hmm. like, holy crap, man, that's bad. But then Mitch told me that on Twitch, it was like 800,000 or something. Yeah, Twitch, I watched it on Twitch, and it was plenty, plenty of people. Yeah, huge. Uh, what about you, Mitch? What's your letter grade? Uh, mine's going to be a hot take. I say D+. Plus. I think EA did a better job. Um, my issue... Don't hear is, that phrase much. Yeah. <laughs> EA well, did a better job. EA did a better job. Uh, I, I only say this because I think, unfortunately, they waste... Like Matt was talking about, we were just talking about, 800,000 people were watching it on Twitch. And I think they they shared more information about each of these games outside of their presentation than they did inside the presentation. Like, even well, that's once, always going to be the case, though, because I, they have 45 minutes for a presentation and they have infinite time after the presentation. Show, but, like an example, Watch Dogs Legion showed a like Into the Spider-Verse live action trailer when they could have been talking more about Watch Dogs Legion and showing more of the stuff that they were saying that is going to be different about the game. They wasted it on this trailer that I felt like was a waste of my time. That's what I felt like throughout this entire conference. Like it was just a waste of my time. Um, and things finding out post, I was like, well, I should have just waited until it was over and then just watched all the coverage that they blew up after because I would have got more information out of that than spending time sitting down and watching your presentation. Um, I think it's the same thing with Assassin's Creed. We probably learned more information about Assassin's Creed after than we did during. And I think the stuff during... That's always going to be the case, Mitch. Always. I don't think so. It is. It is. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's you always been how these stuff. things work. It's always been that way. You have to squeeze every game into like an eight, ten minute window. See, even in the old days, you sit through the press conference, you see the presentation, then you check your email and get the press release to find out the real bullet yeah, points. And then you, you have to present in the live head. Like yeah. that's always how it's going to work. Because they always going to be that way. But I mean, you, you can argue wise, that they I picked think the wrong things. They showed but... more outside of it than they did inside of it, and I think they yeah, they more that's, inside that's of it. always going to be that way. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that the 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 CG short for Watch Dogs was confusing. Like, I don't know why that was there. It was frivolous for sure. It was frivolous. I mean, I know they they must have put time and money into it and stuff, but like it was, and and the guy is is uh, the guy who made it is is famous for kind of things like that. Um, I just thought it was confusing at first where I was like, wait, is this what the game looks like? Did they make Watch Dogs Legion into, into the Spider-Verse? Uh, I think co-opting the Holocaust poem is a little questionable yeah. uh, mm-hmm. for your your yeah. fantasy Orwell game. Um, and uh, in general, I mean, I do agree that like, I don't, I know it's in there because they spent money on it and they had to use it. But like, and it was probably a thing that would have made more sense in a uh, press conference setting. It was probably something they couldn't cancel because it's probably been in production for like the last nine months or so. Um, 
They but, just don't uh, really do gameplay yeah. live anymore because there's been so many disasters. Um, it's just not something that's a yeah, part everyone's of still. Anymore. I mean, this is almost unusual that they did so much gameplay at all in this just because yeah. the, the trend, especially last year, was to not show gameplay at all because everybody nitpicks things that Giant aren't the enemy same. The final, well, well, not even that, but, you know, Publigate with Spider-Man and, and people that still complain about the lighting being different in The Witcher 3 and things yeah. like, you know, it just doesn't get you anything. It doesn't, you, there's no advantage to showing gameplay until you're really close to release candidate. Um, but I will say, like, after, and the reason why I'm just giving it a lower score is because this is what they showed off at their conference. Now, if I put all the post stuff together, it would definitely be a higher score, but it's after the event and and people. I mean, didn't I, they just show probably two game of the year contenders uh, in in forty minutes? I would say That's, one of them is potentially game of the year. I don't think Valhalla is in my mind at this moment. Oh, oh okay, but <laughs> let's just think about everybody else. I think everybody else would agree that they showed maybe two game of the year candidates in their press conference. I know one. I, 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 yeah, I you can see, fight me on this, I, I or you can come sure. along for the ride and, I can, and get I can into see the conversation. Because Odyssey did get uh, Game of the Year nod. I could see it gain another Valhalla will be on nominee lists, whether whether we agree with it or not. Sure. Yeah, no, I... So, I with that. that in mind, showing two goatee candidates in one 40-minute press conference, that's pretty impressive. I don't know if any... Did EA do that? But I think... Uh, did I think EA I would, do that? I think I was more impressed. Did EA do that? I'm just saying. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying. I was more. I was more surprised and impressed in regards to like seeing uh, Star Wars Squadrons made me go whoa, and I didn't get any whoa moment from this. I didn't get a moment where I'm like, wow, this is phenomenal. Wow, this is going to be amazing to play. And I got, yeah, I'll enjoy it, but I didn't get the wow. And I think I mean that's, that's fair, but I think you there. just don't like Ubisoft games much. Yeah, sure sounds that way. <laughs> Which is fair. They're all kind of the same game. They are. Well, I will, say similar that, template. I will say that their template seems to be changing, which is my my vast excitement for Legion. I do. I think I'm really excited for Legion. For Valhalla, um, after hearing everything post it, now I'm a little more interested in Valhalla. But when they showed it off, it seemed more the same. And, and I was surprised they didn't show off what made it more different. I wish they did, and I just didn't think I get. I got that. I didn't get that. Tiny Two K, thank you for all those subs. Hey, I actually have some great news to share. We just had our best month for Twitch Prime ever. So everything's working. It's we actually made more money on Twitch Prime than ever before. So thank you guys. All the subscribing that you guys are doing, it's all working and it's absolutely helping us. So thank you, thank you, Tiny Two K. Thanks to people like Sound Wizard who come into our chats and just drop subs like they're matchsticks like all those guys are it's helping us a ton so thanks a lot guys what else right. did ea show than squadrons i can't remember anything exactly there was a there was apex, some kind of apex legends update kingdom yeah. key what was that king, i think it was called kingdom key the one that looks like nightmare before christmas i really dig that oh no it's the right. dice oh game. Keys, dice yeah game. what it was a die game the pair I mean, oh, yeah. look, they showed Star Wars, they showed FIFA, they showed Madden. I mean, that was, those were the big games. I mean, look, if I got to pick one of those games out of all the things between these two two presentations, it's going to be Star Wars Squadrons, but that's because it's me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember anything else for me. <laughs> I can't either. Because there wasn't anything memorable. 
Anyway, let's move on. We're going to talk about the PlayStation 5, but probably the least, at least I thought, the least exciting aspect of PlayStation 5 would be its box art. However, it literally was like the second most commented story on Sifted this week. The discussion over the boxes for PlayStation 5 games. Matt, why do you think that is? Why do you think well, people are so if you, care about if you're it? Still so buying, if you're still buying physical media... You're going to have a lot of those in your house yeah. after a couple of years. Yeah. So I guess you better I mean, like what they look like. Typically, all that really matters is the spine, right? Because yeah, that's all you end up seeing. But it's just like people, there are, you know, if you're in like hardcore into the games, like you're, you're, um, you could, you know, the, the look of a console's game packaging sort of defines a little bit of its look and a little bit of like how you think of it. And you do um, see the console in the box art. Yeah. Black, there's a lot of black, black and white, and white a lot art. of white kind of lining everything. Yep. Um, I think it could use a little more uh, outlines. Like it could use more black highlighting on the outlines of the white. Um, I said this in a couple of places. I think it looks like Japanese box art. I don't know why. Yeah. No, I get it. It's, I don't know why that is, but there's because because it has this like this clean, this clean kind of like like uncomplicated look because of the white. I think, it it, could be. and also because like a lot of Japanese like classic stuff used white. You know, like the. Um, uh, Saturns were a lot of Saturns were white. Yeah, that's true. Then, actually, um, I think you're right. I think that might be why mm-hmm. <laughs> that 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 hit me that way. Um, I think it looks fine. I think it looks good. I think it differentiates itself enough from the PlayStation Four games. It does still have the same blue plastic shell as PlayStation yeah. Four games. But I think with the white, it'll, with the, you got the blue plastic shell, which is the standard Blu-ray case, um, and with the white, I think the white on it when you're sitting, it's sitting up on a shelf, it'll pop. It does um, against sure. everything else, and it's very clear. It's a different thing from the PS4 games. Yep. Yeah, like I think it con- it checks all the boxes, right? Yeah, <laughs> and remember, only Miles Morales, only Miles Morales, really needs to differentiate itself because, as far as we know right now, that's the only PS5 exclusive that won't work on PS4. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. And and also, like I, I'm sure I really feel like there's probably going to be a hybrid box. Like a like a box for games that work on both PS4 and PS5 that sort of like splits the difference somehow, and I think the white and the blue will look good next to each other. Interesting. You know, if you got like a if on the strip up top, they've kind of divided it, and like one side says PS4 with the blue, and one side says PS5 with the white. Like I feel like that's going to look good with each other. Like the blue and the white are going to look good together. So what would what would it be like a PS4 game that can play on PS5? They're all the or- same thing. Well, why would you need to signify that they can? Because you can both? buy that physical disc and play it on either. That's why. It's to tell the consumer that no matter which uh, system you own, yeah. you can take this disc home and it will work inside of it, in, in it. Whereas, yeah. like, or those maybe come up with some kind of an icon or a logo they'll stick up in the corner. I something. think I think they're going to do more of a hybrid thing because you want to make it really clear. Uh, because this is a this is a paradigm shift. Um, you know, even now you've got people that are hardcore into games and, and are paying ready to pre-order with their money and da da da. And they're sitting on these forums and Twitter and everything asking, like, well, when do I get to buy the PS5 version of Ghost of Tsushima? And it's like there isn't yeah, they're confused. One. Yeah. Like they're they're just gonna carry forward. And like part of the reason maybe is because we can't believe it. If that, that you know, it sounds too good <laughs> to be true. Would be, to yeah, I know. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it is a little bit of a technical marvel. It um, is. Well, it's so, also a little bit of a marketing marble in the sense of like, oh, you're you're not going to squeeze us for like five extra bucks to play the PS5 yeah. update or anything, like because that's what Nintendo would do. Well, Nintendo we'll get to that. A, we'll get to that a little later in the show. We're going to talk about uh, backwards compatibility as one of the later topics. But I think um, if they decide to do like a hybrid sort of this game works on both systems packaging choice, 
the blue and the white work well together. When and even if they don't, the blue and the the blue and white work well together in terms of the blue blue ray case color and the white on the on the label. Mitch, what do you think of the boxer? I'm indifferent. I mean, it. it I know. I know what it is. Like that's at least I can read it, and it's it's similar but yet different, so it works. I have no complaints about the PlayStation Four case. So just to change it to white matches the console at least compared to the the PS Five PS Four one. I don't think is is it blue. The case is blue. Case is blue. The system's not. Yeah. No, but I mean the the banner. You, you have yeah. a banner where it says, I think yeah. it's blue. So yeah, at least blue. it matches the case of like the console. Yep. Yeah. Like that's the, I think the PS4 one is blue because Blu-ray. Yeah, probably. They like, they like blue stuff. Plus blue is also their like secondary base color. Yeah. PS, PlayStation has been kind of blue mm-hmm. identifying since like two, PlayStation 2. Because that was their power light has been blue for a long time. I'll say this. I, I've been doing a lot of rummaging. That's why there are these like boxes of crap behind me here. There's like my GameCube and like my GameCube bongos and stuff. I've been going through these cabinets, like clearing stuff out and like t- putting like the power supply for this console in the box it's supposed to go in. I've been doing all that kind of stuff. And so I've been uncovering like a lot of things uh, related to hardware um, over the last week or so and doing a lot of organizing. And But what I've realized is that the Xbox One, I only own two physical games for Xbox One. Hmm. Two. And one of them was given to me at Pactor's party one year at E3. I own really one <laughs> box game for Xbox One. There. I've never had a console ever in my life where I only owned one or two physical games for it before... Yeah, I moved on to something else. It's I have 18 great. Xbox One games, but like I would say 90% of those have been replaced by digital copies already. Yeah. Like I haven't put a disc in my in my Xbox in a very long time. My PlayStation 4, I have a pretty big physical collection of that because I buy I've bought every third party game, all its exclusives. Uh, I bought hard PS, copies yeah, of that. PS4 has got two shelves back there. It's, 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 that's that's more robust. Yeah, and Xbox always sends me code for its first-party stuff, so I don't need. I'm not buying that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I have two and then, games, and then Game Pass on top of that. Right? Yeah, it's just it really has become like a, a media-free platform <sighs> for me, um, which is the first time that's ever happened for me. Um, so anyway, I think every, we all three have a thumbs up for the PlayStation Five box art. It looks fine, and that's really all that matters. Yeah, I mean, no, you're gonna not buy the games because they don't—they don't like the box. That doesn't matter. It's, it's just something—it's just something to argue about while we wait for real information. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next, we're gonna talk. We're gonna stay in Sony's camp, and I think this actually is PlayStation Five related. But we'll talk about it and try to figure it out because at first I was really confused about what was going on here. Uh, this week, Sony invested. $250 million into Epic Games to take a, ma- a man- minority stake in the company. And when I say minority, I mean minority. $250 million got them 1.4% of Epic Games, which right now is, is its valuation is $18 billion is Epic's valuation. So Sony spent... A quarter of a billion dollars and got a little over 1% of Epic, which is crazy. But what's crazier is why? Why is this happening, Matt? Why would Sony, a platform holder, invest that much money into a third-party publisher slash developer? China. China. 
the, the answer the answer is all for any kind of weird thing like this the answer is almost always they think they see a way into the chinese market okay um so you think because fortnite is in china and is a big deal there that they are looking at that as a trojan horse to get their products into the territory that would be my guess yes interesting huh um there, there's a couple theories that are kind of making the rounds. And look, there were quotes released by both sides, and maybe I should just read those. Um, here's a quote from, from PlayStation. Epic's powerful technology in areas such as graphics places them at the forefront of game engine development with Unreal Engine and other innovations. There's no better example of this than the revolutionary entertainment experience Fortnite. Through our investment, we will explore opportunities for further collaboration with Epic to delight and... <laughs> to delight and bring uh, value to customers and the history at large, not only in games, but also across a rapidly evolving digital entertainment landscape. Okay, that's the quote from PlayStation. Here's the quote from Epic. Sony and Epic have both built businesses at the intersection of creativity and technology. And we share a vision of real-time 3D social experiences leading to a convergence of gaming, film, and music. Together, we strive to build an even more open and accessible digital ecosystem for all consumers and content creators alike. So it sounds to me like the play here for Sony is maybe currying favor with Epic to do live events on PlayStation 5. I'm sure there's some of that there, yeah. No, that makes sense, especially because Sony does have a music division and a film division and all that. I mean, it's a, it's a very important cross-marketing tool yeah. uh, for them. And again, I think China is one of the markets they're targeting with that. China. But um, it's, uh, it, I mean, I mean it, make, it makes a fair amount of sense, especially because as you see, like, you know, the, the concerts and live events thing rise in Fortnite and yeah. concerts and live events are not going to be happening in real life for a, a while. So, um, you know, it's a big bet, but uh, considering that Sony is a massive multimedia company, it makes more sense than, say, if Microsoft did it. Because it's such a big bet, Matt, do you think that this is going to become a pillar of PlayStation 5? Like when we have that next big blowout for PlayStation 5 and they kind of lay down their business model for the platform, do you think that this is going to be sort of one of those tent poles, one of those pillars for their business? Maybe. I mean, there might come a day when we got to watch the Sony press conferences in Fortnite. Right. I mean, I don't even know if it's Fortnite. Like, I wonder if Epic is just going to build a tool for PlayStation so that it can then t hit the ground and run with it. And maybe it works with Unreal Engine 5. Yeah, maybe. Like a there, PlayStation maybe. Home 2. I was, right. I was actually about actually to say PlayStation good. Home 2. Like, here we go. But something that's actually good and compelling. And maybe you can tell works. Sony misses that concept. They wanted that to work. <laughs> it, yeah, they, they really they, did. They were ahead of the curb a little bit on that, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe they work with, you know, PlayStation VR 2. Maybe it's a huge component of that. Well, I think it just that also makes their, sense. I think yeah. it just affects their entire business model. I mean, where you guys are just talking about the 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 live events, Matt's talking about attacking the Chinese market, and I think it's even the engine itself. Uh, this could reduce costs for Sony to try to create their own engine by saying, "Hey, Epic, we need an engine that does X, Y, and Z. Make it for us, and we can spend less on it." Like the I thing think is, is that Epic really already 
has that engine. Like Unreal, yeah, they, they would, they would like just have future. to add tools to it. Yeah, yeah. it's they're, already they're not gonna, They don't need to build a new engine because Unreal does everything they needed to do. Right. Yeah, they're, they're gonna, making like TV shows and movies already from Unreal. Like and, those and then, tools are there. Well, yeah, and then on top of that, you you look at it as Sony as a movie company as well. That's assets they can give to Epic to be able to put inside their games. Like they talked about with that engine, is they took the rock formations from the Lion King and popped it right on there and they didn't have to do anything else to it. So um, it just gives Epic and Sony a partnership that gives them more tools in the toolbox for either. Cause think about it. If they can start pulling assets from their films, putting them into unreal and then create some inter inter interactive experience around it, you start thinking about their marketing and their licensing deals, what they can do with that technology and then you pile PlayStation 2 on top or PlayStation VR 2 on top of it, that's a pretty big deal. That's yeah. a pretty compelling argument. Well, they're argument. also making uh, uh, film and TV shows based off PlayStation properties. wonder if right. that has a connection to it as well. It could. It could. And it would help if they can use, I mean, you know, Unreal is the key to the Mandalorian and, and the, uh, the, the shooting they used for that where they real-time yep. generated the environments. Like most of... If you haven't watched any of the behind the scenes stuff about Mandalorian, you should because it's fascinating and they worked with Epic to make all that stuff happen. Most of what you see in the Mandalorian is not CG. It is what well, is CG, but it's real time Unreal Engine generated in a circular theater studio they're shooting in. And so, like, and they're moving the background like with the camera digitally to match the point of view of the camera so it all looks proper and, and, and uh, does that. So if Sony can get that tech or a variant of it and use that for their Sony studio, you know, because they've formed that, that production company that's supposed to make games out or movies out of game properties that they own. Yeah, Twisted uh, Metal's first. Doing Twisted Metal. Uh, they got The Last of Us in, in uh, development. Um, if they can use that, that is a, you know, the one thing you'll see John Favreau and all the Mandalorian people say is not only did it save them a lot of money and a lot of location shooting, but it gave them a lot of flexibility and power to change things on the fly, to know what they were getting in camera, to know what they needed to do the next day, to know what the, and, and to change setups faster than anyone could ever have done with a physical set. So if they can streamline that production for Sony's kind of PlayStation movie division, uh, that will be a huge boon to that because uh, well, the one thing you definitely don't want to do is spend years wasting time trying to get this stuff done properly in kind of traditional filmmaking style like they did with the Uncharted movie that never went anywhere after. How long has that been? Like nine years now? Nine years. Yeah, They're still working on it, believe uh, it or not. The, the it's tech still... is called Stagecraft, and yeah. the Stagecraft itself was produced by uh, ILM, but the technology in regards to the graphic background they used was created by Epic. Yeah. yeah. So they, so I would bet that they'd be able to kind of create their own sort of idea on that. I don't know. You know, ILM is uh, owned by Disney, obviously. So they're probably not going to be farming out that info. But like if they can do it, Sony's probably got some people that can cobble together something comparable. Yeah. I think what we've the conclusion that we've come to, I think, in our discussion is that this is a more pop culture play than a gaming play. Like, I don't think. PlayStation invested $250 million in Epic so that Fortnite 2 is a PlayStation 5 exclusive. I think no. this is for other stuff. I think this is like company-wide for Sony. Uh, yeah. uh, the, 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 the eye is to it being a company-wide advantage uh, going forward. And I still think a lot of it is because it gives them an in in China. 
Um, if you can, if you can use that kind of like, you know, presentational power to hype up certain things or movies or whatever, or TV shows or whatever uh, at, uh, in China and create a demand for it, you have a stronger likelihood of having that product be uh, cleared for uh, distribution or um, screening in the Chinese market. So I think, I think uh, it's a cliche that that's why everyone's doing everything in the film and TV is to try to get into China, but it's also true because yeah. there's a, a huge, huge market. Tab market. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even it's, if, even though you only get like 50% of the profit because China holds a lot of that mm -hmm. profit in regards to the box office compared to other the volume. It just makes yeah. it, makes the, it worth yeah. it. The volume it's makes all it gravy worth too. It. I mean, also the exposure, you know, like yeah. that, mm -hmm. that's the headline you want. Number one in China, that means a lot to other countries and territories. Very few, films you know budget counting on generating a ton of money from china is generally just great well, now they so, do now they do yeah it's that has kind of changed over and certain films too seem to target it more yeah, temple stuff plans ahead for china that's why you'll see like chinese uh settings sometimes like a lot of times they'll you know the, michael bay did that with transformers like at yeah. one point the whole back half of age of extinction takes place in china uh -huh. specifically because they knew they were going to try and play it in china yeah. as a major thing and because chinese companies were uh, investing heavily in the productions that happens a lot yeah. Um, it's a, it's a part of filmmaking now. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, that's where the, that's where some money is and it's where the interest is more, maybe more importantly, like there's a hunger for those movies and it's kind of a wide open market in the sense that you don't always know what's going to hit and they're not dominated by Marvel and star Wars, the way Western markets are. Star Wars has no real traction in China. I know, I know. Cause it, cause the old movies didn't really have a, a foothold there. So yeah. it's a much more level playing field in a way. Yeah. For sure. And again, untapped market, they're the opportunity mm -hmm. to, if you're looking to grow your business, that's where you grow it. You yep. grow it in China. I mean, that's just the way it is. At this point, the world is so globalized. If you're a mature business, you've pretty much figured out how to milk everything you can out of the West. And now you need to figure out the East. And I think you're right. I think Epic is a gateway yeah. into that market. It's kind of a gold rush situation. Yeah. Like yeah. Whoever, the other part of whoever, it too is that China will actually be going back to movies here in the next couple of weeks. Meanwhile, uh, we probably won't be in a movie because, theater for uh, the next like year. So well, they're, they're, re they're, re they're shutting some stuff down again. Yeah, Hong Kong Disneyland. Disneyland. Hong Kong Disneyland's closing again. Disneyland, yeah. yeah. And then I was going to say like, if you want a prime example of like how much the Chinese market means to people, like the only reason why Mulan has not gone to video on demand is because they want that China money. Like they well, the only re the reason Mulan has not gone to video on demand is because it costs two hundred million dollars, yeah. and you're not going to You'll make never that money recoup back. That with Disney Plus, <laughs> I think I've said this before. Well, no, I've said this Disney before, Plus, but like video on demand, like ordering it's still like video bucks. on demand. It's still you, you you're still cutting that way either, right? You're no, still but, to talk. Listen to the guy who has followed movies since the seventies. You can't cut the distributor distributors out of that con that a contract. You cannot cut the theaters out of those contracts. You can't do that for the two hundred million dollar tentpole movies. None of those will come to VOD. Like you, you can get like Trolls World Tour on there because it's a kids movie, and you are going to make enough money from parents desperately buying that to like over and over and quiet <laughs> and they already got uh, so in like trouble they, with the movie industry and by doing that so like they're yeah the movie industry wasn't thrilled but they like the theaters are always gonna be a little more dependent but like you still have to pay out sort of the the the, the agreements on that but for stuff like mulan tenet's going to continually slip by two weeks forever pretty much <laughs> well as well um, big budget movie yeah uh, you, you know I, I would I wouldn't even surprise everything's going to move to next year and it's it's almost going to have to because no one can shoot anything new right now so there's nothing to release next year if you release like 
we're going to lose a year in movies, basically, is yep. what's happening here. Absolutely. There's no getting back that production time. Is, you just can't. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about what may be the last micro console ever, unless we eventually do get that N64 Mini from Nintendo someday. Not until I get my Mini Saturn. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, that actually may be another opportunity. It's not impossible. But I just wonder if the market is there for that. But then again, I wonder if the market is there for this one too. So the market for the Turbo Graphics one? Like, is there? Where's the market for? I'm sorry, the Intellivision. Come on, five years from now, Shane, it would be the micro console for the PlayStation Two. Like, they'll just keep coming. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Um, I feel like we've kind of exhausted a lot of opportunities. And I think Sega may feel that way, too, because its next micro console called the Sega Astro City Mini is a collection of 36 of Sega's most popular arcade games onto a little micro console that looks like an arcade machine, I would add. Yeah, it looks like one of the old Naomi machines. It, rem- it reminds me of those old little Pac-Man machines. They had like Pac-Man and Space Invader. Yep. That had a actually had like a little joystick that you played, and they looked yeah. like an arcade machine. Little LCD games. I had yeah. a couple of those. Yep. I still have one at my mom's house at home. I saw it when I was there last. God knows when I'll go back there again now. Um, but anyway, that's basically Sega's new micro console. Uh, I think maybe... The biggest thing about it is that some of the games are 3D. Uh, we did mm-hmm. get some of those with the PlayStation Micro, or what, what was the official name of the PlayStation one? PlayStation, PlayStation Classic or Classic, something like that. That's right, yeah. Um, we did get a couple of those with that. So this isn't the first micro console to have 3D games. Um, they haven't even announced this for the West yet, Matt. Do you think they ever will? Maybe because Sega don't give a fuck uh, these days. <laughs> but my, I mean, it's so arcade nostalgia is, uh, for that era is very Japan only kind of folk. Yeah. I mean, I do have, like, I would buy one um, if they released it here for a reasonable price because I do like a lot of those games. But I was a Sega nut who was still going to arcades in 1998 yep. uh, in the Bay Area, which had Japanese arcades and Japanese imported arcade games, like in various places. So I don't really count. Um, I would be a little surprised if they brought it here just because like the, the, the build on the thing seems like it would be not cheap, uh, for one of the, you know, it's not like just slamming a bunch of hardware in like a, a little, uh, box like the other micro consoles are. It feels like there's a little, you know, you got the joysticks and the buttons and everything like that. Um, it just feels like it's, it's a little elaborate to have be like kind of a, Oh, what the hell? We'll just put it out in America anyway. Um, but I'd like to see them do it. I'd like to get, I'd like to get one without having to import it. But uh, I don't think that's probably going to happen. Yeah, because import prices on this will probably be pretty insane. Would be my guess. Yeah, they're going to be uh, they're they're going to be pricey. I think just because of the, the awkwardness of the size of them. Yeah, and I just think the 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 law of supply and demand, um, as far as the West is concerned, I don't expect a lot of import stores to buy a lot of them, so they're probably going to jack up the price on them mm-hmm. um, when they first get them in. And then probably what will happen is no one will buy them, and you and I will be able to waltz in two months later and get it for like half price. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I'm losing interest in micro consoles in general. They were a novelty to me at first because, you know, just like you, I've been buying and playing these games all along. Like, I get that people who are in their 20s or whatever, a lot of this stuff is all new to them. But I've already bought this stuff. I've already played this stuff. I've already talked about this stuff. I've already forgotten about this stuff. And I've moved on. Um, And so these micro consoles for me, they just have very limited appeal. And it is odd because, again, I've been doing a lot of cleaning out of stuff lately. And I have like almost all of them. (laughs) Like They're all in their boxes. Two of them were never even opened. 
Um, <laughs> I got them and they're still sealed to show you that they just hold very limited appeal. I think I got them just thinking that maybe someday they'd be worth money, but then they ended up reproducing all of them and that's not going to be the case. Um, I don't know. Uh, do you think, am I alone in this or do you think other people are starting to kind of lose their... I think there will always be a, a hardcore group that just will play things over and over again. But I think most people, even who are really into the the game scene, I mean, certainly when I get these these nostalgia boxes, like I you know I look through everything, I play everything, I play you know I will load up a game, I go, oh, I remember that, cool, I haven't played that in a while, I play that until I die, and I back out and pick another game, and then I turn it off and never do it, never look at it again. Like that's that's, that's how when I do play them, that's what I do. I because play game until I die, and then I quit. Yeah, and then I never go back again. I think I think that's pretty standard. And I, you know, uh, far be it from me to agree with Hideo Kojima on anything. <laughs> but um, he said many years ago, uh, like 10, 10 so years ago, I think, uh, something along the lines of like video games are the worst aging artistic medium. Like because like you can watch a Charlie Chaplin movie and get essentially the same same experience that someone who watched it when it was new got because yeah. people and stories and, and the real life are all the same, more or less. Like you, you, well, you will understand, yeah. you will understand the emotions and situations trying to be conveyed in city lights. Yep. Uh, but like you go back to metal year one and like it's tough, you're not even gonna be able to, a lot of people aren't even gonna be able to play that now because yeah. like games, gameplay has evolved. Interaction, interactivity has, has evolved. Like thing, you know, you, you, it I all just leaves it in the dust. <clears throat> I put on my N64 for a segment that I did on Sifted HQ. I have like an old Rockstar ROM lying around here that I plugged in. I didn't even know what was on it. And anyway, that was like mm -hmm. a month ago or whatever on the show. And um, I started realizing that uh, a lot of the N64 stuff, like it's almost unplayable. Like yeah. I started popping cartridges in and one, it took me a really long time to just get used to using the N64 controller. It is yeah. so awkward now. I mean, back when it came out, it wasn't awkward at all because it was the only controller with an analog stick. Now, man, having your hands so close together with the stick and the mm -hmm. button, it just feels bizarre. And it took me a long time to be even be, and I was a master at the N64, pretty much anything on that platform. And it took me a while just to be able to just feel comfortable controlling stuff with that controller again. Things have changed yeah. so much. Like, well, Mitch, I, was, I really want to get your take on this because you are in your 20s and you didn't kind of play, buy, talk about all this stuff back when it originally came out. So I'm guessing maybe you're not tired of micro consoles at all. I mean, I've never bought one, to be truly honest. I Interesting. Think the, I think the difficult thing is with the micro consoles, it's what's game, what games are on there. Mm -hmm. And I think... When I look, when I always look at or read about someone that has played the games before and knows what's in the library, they usually say it's not as compelling as the games like that were available at the time. So it leaves my meaning it's not a good representation of that console's correct. history. And okay. so if I were to like even the even the PlayStation Classic, like I grew up on PlayStation One, so. Um, that should be something that should be right up my alley that I go, oh, I can play this, this, this. And I looked at the library and it wasn't that great. So I think PlayStation I think Classic is one of the worst lineup in terms of representing the console. Yeah, like, in terms of, of like what of it has. It's really amazingly bad. <laughs> yeah, it really it'll be is. interesting to see as we get at, if they keep doing this and get later and later on. So they start getting into like PlayStation 2 or get into like the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. There's such a vast library 
how in the world would you narrow that list down and make that a good list mm-hmm. of library content to do? So I would I think be down with a GBA, but like, you're right. Like it's, it's like, which Castlevanias do you cut from that? Yeah. Or do you just put three Castlevania games on it, taking up slots that another game could have? Like it's, um, it gets to be impossible. And at a certain point, you just probably just well, pull I out also, your old cartridges or just play an emulator. Yeah. And I think the appeal, unfortunately, there there isn't an appeal for someone that's not playing hasn't played on it before because sometimes they don't even have the first game on there. They have like the third game or the fourth game, but they don't have the first mm-hmm. one. So then you're like, you don't All you feel licensing like crap. You feel like you're lost in regards to like not being able to get it, hop on in and know what's going on. And so yeah. it, just, even if you didn't know, even if like say the fourth, fourth game was a complete, a, a throwaway from all the past games before you wouldn't know that when you looked on the box you see a number four and you assume you gotta play one two and three to know what the heck is happening in four so yeah i don't also don't like playstation 2 will be possible i think easily you know you could, you could do that okay. i think but like there's so many you, as you move forward into the generations you start you don't just run into like which games do you pick you run into licensing problems you run into you know, like, like, how can you get GT Gran Turismo 3 on the PlayStation 2 Classic when you'd have to go through all the song licensing again? You have to go through all the car all licensing. All the car again. licensing. You have to go through all that uh, all over again. And in the end, you just sort of leave it off. But at the same time, it's like, even as someone who doesn't care that much about Gran Turismo, no PlayStation, PlayStation 2 collection is it. a PlayStation 2 collection without Gran Turismo 3 in it is not complete. Yeah. Like, that's, you can't do it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So. I, I think you're just sort of running out of a steam on that. And then the last viable major console to do that with would be the N64. That's what I think too. I mean, Even I would like that, a Saturn one, but like, I'm just, I'm. It crazy. probably wouldn't sell the no. Saturn one. Unless, the N64 is, unless it had Panzer Dragoon Saga on it. That would be handy. Yes. <laughs> Seriously though. Yeah. Like it might like be the best selling micro That would be better than paying $900 for it. Exactly. It I mean, I imagine. Also, I think also maybe that's why backwards compatibility might be starting to become more in the forefront than ever before, because a lot of this stuff, um, when they're coming out with these micro consoles, aren't coming out with the games that people would want to play on them. So That's they true. need to be able mm-hmm. to play their backlog library if they still have it. Well, I like, think I, I think the backwards have... compatibility is a very different reason, but we're get, we got a future subject on that. I think. Yeah, sure, but I think it has a little bit to do with it, as like the the hope of being able to play that old game again is and only they don't only they don't care if they already have your money. That console. They don't care if they already have your money for a game that came out twenty years ago. Like that's, it's uh, it's a that's a different subject. The, like the problem is like you're dealing with a particular nostalgia wing, and if you can't hit all the nostalgia points, just like you said on the PlayStation, why would you buy it? Like if if it's missing like three games that you strongly identify with the era of that console, why would you want it? Like it it, it it's just incomplete to you and the problem is like a game like uh, uh, like the playstation classic i think just ha- was missing those three or four games for almost everyone yeah like yeah. the other ones you could kind of like say like oh, okay well super That's nintendo really the key yeah, like, super nintendo doesn't have all the square games i want on it but it's got this 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 and this it's like okay it's still cool like playstation just didn't do that and that is the other one. key because the the you're going to find people who are going to be unhappy but really the yeah. key is making sure that you keep that group to a minimum <laughs> yeah, and then N sixty four could probably do that minus Goldeneye, um, but like, like to your your what you mentioned earlier, I think an N sixty four classic would have to have a mode that made them run well. 
Like yeah. I think you need to run better than the you could have a classic mode that like makes gives it all the <laughs> same jank. Fifteen frames per second. But like <laughs> also, so I, you know, having played having played <laughs> Deadly funny. Premonition two this week, uh, <laughs> I was reminded of the N sixty four a lot, and I'm I, I kept thinking just yeah. like you did, how did I put up with this kind of yeah. performance? Because it's all there was. Because now know playing that is astounding. It's like playing that yeah. game now is like oh my god, how did you release this? But back then it's like that was just how games ran. I mean, they blew those, some of those games solid. blew my mind. Like yeah. Banjo Tooie blew my mind. Runs it. 10 to 15 yeah. frames a second, but Turok it's too. Turok 2, I played for hours and hours and hours, and yeah. now it would probably just be like, no, you're I would probably barf at this point in my life <laughs> playing games at that frame rate. So anyway, uh, Sega, Sega Astro City Mini. You're wondering why it's called Astro City. That's the name of Sega's arcades in Japan, um, and that's why it has that title. If they do bring it out here, my guess is they change the title of it. Yeah. I, would, I would say they probably do not bring it out here. I don't I think. I would be surprised. Yep. Um, uh, I would encourage it, but I would be surprised. Yep. Now we're going to move on to something that I think is really freaking cool. And I don't know how everybody else feels about it. I'm interested to get their take. And that is the Lego NES that was just announced in the last couple of days. It also leaked. Everything leaks now. Um, but we got like a screenshot of it. They put out a teaser trailer. People lightened up the screen grab from the teaser trailer and we're able to blatantly see the lego nes and not just that a lego tv that comes along <laughs> with it this thing look i i don't get excited about toys that much anymore sorry i, I just, I saw just blow on the cartridge <laughs> yeah i don't see like a lot of toys that i get excited about and i'm like i have to get that i mean i am pretty old and maybe it might be embarrassing to some people if they ever felt that way at my age not me i really don't give a crap but this toy oh yes i am all in on this freaking toy you can build your own playable workable NES with Legos and then build your own TV. And then the crazy part is that some of the Lego toys that came for, with the Mario set that launched, I guess it was what, about two months ago now? They work with this. So you can mm -hmm. put the Mario on top of the little TV and then it starts adding sound effects to the weird 2D game that plays on the tele. I don't even know. It's crazy. He, yeah, he reacts to it. I can't even figure how. And that's why I love it, because I look at it and I'm confused. I'm like, I don't really know how that works. I, I really don't. Like, how does, like, the little game on the TV work? Does it actually... It's a, link? No, it's, it's, a, it's like a conveyor belt. Right. It's, like, it's, I on, it's, on, like a, it's on, like, a roller. Basically. Right, I get that. But I don't understand, like, what... Is it the video game that's being portrayed on the TV, or is it just, like, this canned, like, Mario jumping over stuff thing? It's a it's Legos. So like you, 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 you literally you literally build you it's not literally tied into build the it. game that you're actually playing on the console. There is no like game West. on the console. It's it's a it's a Lego it's a Lego version of World One One that you that is inside the Lego television and you turn a crank and it ro and it rotates past the screen like it's like it's scrolling. I get that, but my question is: is if like you're actually playing Super Mario Brothers on the NES, and when you jump, does Mario also jump on that no. Lego TV? No. no. Okay. It's literally. That was my question: like is if the game was talking to the Lego TV? That was my question. No, no, because yeah, but, but the Lego TV does talk to the Mario figure from the other sets because right. there's an electric. There's like an amiibo thing to it, so he'll he'll react to it. 
Yeah. This thing is cool AF, man. I mean, just the fact that you can build an NES out of Legos, that works. That you can literally just put your cartridges in. And the better news is use your real own controllers because the controller cord on that thing is straight out of Japan. Um, in fact, my Japanese SNES is right over my shoulder here right now. The cables on the controllers on that are literally 12 inches long. And uh -huh. it appears that the cables on the controller for this is also about 12 inches long. Well, the controller you build is actually life-size on these. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I would prefer to use a real controller, and you can because it's the same port. Same reason you can plug your, uh, one of your old cartridges in, and it's going to play on it. I love this thing. I like that more than any micro console because it's a functional piece of hardware that I can use all my old software on. I don't think that's it, what that no, is. It, it's not a real console. No. Oh, it, it doesn't just, have no, NES hardware? The, the no, it's just a you, Lego yeah, system. Yeah, you built the cartridge oh, out of I Lego. they use like a Raspberry Pi and like no, actual... No, no, no. It's a Lego the, set. The, the, oh, the well, then why do they blow on the Lego? cartridge and plug the cartridge in it? Because it's supposed to like... To be funny. Oh, that sucks, man. They told I totally was fooled. I thought that you could put any of your cartridges in it and it worked as an NES. No, no, not at all. Oh, no. Well, then I, I don't care about it now. <laughs> I really don't. I don't care at all now. No, it's not. It's not an emulator. It's just. It's yeah, just see, a, I thought they had just put a Raspberry Pi in it. No, and, no, no, no. Oh well, screw that. <laughs> I don't want it at all now. I don't even care. <laughs> Seriously, I thought it was a working NES. That you, no. I mean, in the trailer, they so show him blowing into a cartridge and putting it into the thing. Yeah, yeah the cartridge like is made factor. out of Legos. Yeah, I didn't even notice it. I thought it was just a normal NES cartridge. Yeah, when you were mm. like, "What does he jump?" I was, I was looking. Well, the other part of it is that the thing's two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, how, that's how much Legos cost. I mean, game. I'll be honest with you. That's the biggest reason why I assumed it was a working NES. I'm like, I can, I can see bucks, that. It has to be a working NES. No, it, it has to be. be. No, it has to be a like. No, it has to be a Lego set with that many pieces. That's how much they cost now. That's insane. I mean, I, I buy a, Christmas every year for my nieces and nephews, and you're right. Even those little dinky sets are like thirty mm -hmm. bucks or whatever. But dude, I just assumed it for no. two hundred dollars. That's a working NES. No, no for two hundred thirty. No, two hundred thirty bucks for how many? For a twenty six hundred piece set. That's about. That's about standard these days. Is it? Yeah. No, I, well, I have price, no interest in it I now. would think it was real. <laughs> like I would if it was double that price. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, you know that. So you you haven't seen it because you don't come over here anymore because we don't shoot here and and the world ended. But like, yeah. um, uh, I have the giant Lego Star Destroyer that came out. Did you get it that, done? Yeah, it's, it's it's on the the arcade the the cocktail machine by the. By oh, the TV. cool. Um, how many pieces was that? That was four thousand something. Like double there. the size like, of this. More yeah. than double. Um, maybe it was five thousand. I can't remember. Uh, that set was seven hundred dollars. Okay. So uh, that's yeah. just what, that's what they cost I guess now. it does make sense. <laughs> they had a big price hike when they did a price adjustment somewhere back in like around 2006, wow, 2008. Wow, I'm so disappointed, man. I was all in on this thing. I'm like, man, my NES is back in my mom's closet in Pennsylvania. Like, I'll get this thing and I'll have a working NES again that I could, because I have a stack of cartridges in here that I could use, but I don't have a working system. So I was like, man, I'll just kill two birds with one stone. I'll have a working NES again and I'll buy this cool Lego set. Nope. No, that's why I was so confused when you're like. I mean, it's it a really jump? cool set. It's, yeah, it's, it's a like nice it, set. what they're doing with with how the TV works and how like they get all that stuff work like, internally working with the TV is 
crazy. Like now, I really get why you guys were so confused when I kept saying, "Is the game talking to the Lego set?" Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because I was like, uh, "There's this little like circle that the Mario is connected to that literally just rides the bumps." Yeah, it it moves like um, it's like those. Remember those old uh, games were like? No, no, I know how they were. Video games. It was like a like a a driver thing. I get it. All it works. There was no confusion over that. I got. I understood the mechanics of the TV. That part I got the whole time. I just wondered if when you jumped in the game, if he would also jump over on that Lego TV. But no, there's no game anyway. So that's disappointing. And to me, way overpriced. I guess that would be my final comment on the Lego NES. Uh, that I don't. I haven't gotten any of the, Lego, the Nintendo Lego stuff because I think they look kind of dumb. But I will buy this. You will buy it. What about you, Mitch? Pretty awesome. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Sorry, not for that amount of money. For that amount of money, and I don't have that kind of money to spend on Legos right now. Right, yeah. but I do. Who does? I, do <laughs> I do still collect Matt. like the, the the Lego stuff. I like not as much as I used to, but like this is pretty neat. Like I'm, I want to build that TV. I want to see how that whole mechanism comes together. Yeah. It's like my favorite thing to build in Star Wars Legos is the X wing because all the X wings have works. some weird me- mechanism to make yeah. the, the wings flap. It does something. So. Yep. Well, that's really disappointing. <laughs> I was so wait, excited about wait, Dan it. Boy Nan- wait, Dan Boy Nandy says it is functional. Is manufacturing? Well, it says it's, me- it it's mechanical. No, he says it's oh, mechanically. mechanically. My God, people, it's mechanically functional. It means he, you can open yeah. it, you can stick the Lego cartridge in, push it down, do the whole. Like, it you has can do like all the that. spring in it. Like it, it has all the. Oh yeah, it has all the physical functionality, not the, the electronic without without the actual electronics right. that make it fun. <laughs> it pisses me off, man. All right, let's move on. Going to talk about our last, go to our last topic. Of I, I mean, that really I, bothers me. I'm really mad I, about that. Now I got it. That's well, that's on you, dude. Uh, you, I I gotta like do some research and see how many people got tricked into that. Like I don't, I, I that because I, I haven't seen the actual trailer. I haven't, uh, I didn't see. That. I didn't know this was a thing until I saw it on the rundown and looked it up on the Lego shop. And here it is. Um, the other crazy part is that I have a like a two thousand word press release from Nintendo in my inbox that I read this morning. And I still thought it was a working NES. <laughs> well, you remember when they showed the Wii U and we couldn't figure out whether it was a console or not? Right. <laughs> for like the first 20 minutes? Like it, not the first time. Yep. All right, let's move on to our last topic for today's show. Uh, as we teased a little earlier, we're going to talk about backwards compatibility. Um, the poll of the week right now at sifted.net in the header is about uh, backwards compatibility, and it has become a big topic for Generation 9. I believe mainly because Microsoft has forced it into a topic. I don't believe if it weren't for Microsoft's policies that PlayStation would be doing what it is doing right now. Uh, I think it would have been very happy to just be like, PlayStation 4 games live on PS4, buy a freaking PS5 to play PS5 games. But Microsoft has changed that conversation, and I believe forced Sony's hand into a more consumer-friendly position. So... Bottom line, all of this is good for everybody. Whether you're an Xbox fan or a PlayStation fan, this is another case where all boats are going to rise. The competition is going to force each one to get better. However, over the last couple of weeks, I think a big part of it was when we heard about the first $70 game, NBA 2K21, people started looking at, okay, costs a little more closely because that is kind of the final piece of the puzzle for Generation 9. Release date and price is really all that's left. And so people have started diving into that. And I think once that started happening, they started asking publishers, well, okay, so how is that upgrade going to work? They started getting mixed messages. And 
reporters started reporting that, you know what, you may end up having to pay for some of these upgrades. And I think Microsoft caught wind of all the chatter online and was like, oh, no, 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 you don't. Uh, and so this week, Microsoft basically announced that they are not going to be able to charge us extra to upgrade a game from Xbox One to Xbox Series X, uh, which is amazing. Um, and then you guys kind of hinted earlier in the show. I actually haven't heard this, but it sounded like you guys had hinted that PlayStation followed suit on this. Is that true? Well, they've just been saying it like in regards to whenever a game says you can upgrade it, it always just says you can do it for Xbox One and PS5. They just haven't publicly said mm -hmm. anything about it yet, which I know they plan to address it. I think this month or next month is backwards compatibility, which probably that will come up. Um, but I so we don't know yet if Sony's charging. Is that right? Sony is not charging. Sony is not charging. Okay, so we know that already for sure. For for the select games I've announced, for the select games they've upgrade, mentioned, yes, yes. Okay, you do which not. Like Assassin's, Creed, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was definitely called out as free free to play, upgraded on new systems, no matter what. Like okay. the difference um, right now is Xbox basically has put a sticker on it. Compared yeah, Xbox to like has, has Xbox has announced as policy that they're it has like a name for it. That yeah. they've even had to. <laughs> that there's even been talk that they've had to block some third parties from wanting to charge for it. That Microsoft has had to say like, no, you will not be allowed to charge for that on our system. Yeah, I mean that was the story. That's what we're talking yeah. about. That's so what like, Microsoft did. But this the thing is, I don't, right? But the thing is, I don't. I don't agree that Sony didn't want to do this. Um, I, I think either. that my, I think micro, I think they were always going to do this because with the digital library that you've built over this generation, you have to be able to carry that forward in some manner. I think Sony has greatly expanded their plans for it in response to what Microsoft is doing. I think you wouldn't be getting like like what Cerny was talking about with like oh just about everything will work, but we're focusing on the hundred most popular ones. I think if Microsoft hadn't made these moves, you'd be getting the hundred most popular ones as backwards compatible, and that's it. I think I think you're right in that they've Sony's had to dive in on this much more robustly than they would have otherwise. Microsoft has pushed this issue forward in a way that I don't think they expected, and I would, um, and I think it's, like you said, it's good for everybody. But um, re Microsoft is really going in hard on this one, and uh, I'm a little. Why do you I'm, think that is? I don't know. I was about to say I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, in part, I mean, part of it might just be that it's one of the most successful like software moves they've had on the Xbox it's One. It's probably so there's no the only good to... press they yeah. got from Xbox One. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've handled it really <laughs> well. It, but it's and true. so you might as well double down on that, especially in the early days where you're not going to have a lot of new software to sell to people. Well, they um, haven't had And they're doing the whole cross-platform so. thing like crazy anyway, so they might as well just like, you know, go all in, I guess. I mean, it's kind of a case that Microsoft just doesn't have anything else really to talk yeah. about right now. I mean, it's um, something to say that you have while you're waiting for all those new game developers you just bought to like get done with their projects. Like, I think that's sort of where you are. And hell, if you can re if you can re release a Kingdoms of Amalur remaster, you can brag about being able to play original <laughs> Xbox games on this thing. Screw it. Who knows? How Why much not? does this even matter? Dude, I don't think it matters that much in terms of deciding to buy a system. Like, again, we have a pull up right now. Go be a part of it. I want to know what you guys think about this. Like, or does it matter that much to you guys? Like, I did, I got to see the first couple of responses before the show started. And one of the first votes was for this is like a determinant for me for next gen. Mm -hmm. One of the very well, first I think, votes. But yeah, well, see, I think it depends what you're what you're talking about. Like, if you're talking about like being able to play Ninja Gaiden 2 on my Xbox Series X, is that a big deal? Not really. 
but playing all the other Xbox One games I own and carrying all that forward, playing able like Red Dead Redemption 2 and all these other games I've spent all this money on digitally and don't own physical copies of to carry that forward to the next system, that is absolutely essential. I, I think, think that's why this is all happening. For every little dinky like indie game. Yes. yes. Yeah? That's yeah. a lot of work, man. Well, How many games have been released for PS4? A lot. Probably a thousand lot. at this point, I guess. More than that, I think. You think? You count all the weird little things, just just the number of freaking weird anime things I've never stuff. heard of, yeah, and that you see, right. you know, when the when the sales come up and you scroll through the bottom of this thing, you're like, what the fuck is that? Like, yeah, so much of that shit. <laughs> it's like the the Switch eShop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I think the main reason they're doing this, and I think Microsoft just saw an opportunity in regards to, you know, PlayStation Three is a bottleneck right now in regards to allowing for backwards compatibility from. PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, um, because only a limited amount of those consoles could if you bought the launch ones, or I think it was like a cheaper one about six months after that, because I actually had mine stolen, and so I lost my backwards compatibility. On you my lost your fat. Yeah, I lost my fat. No, I, I actually had to buy a different fat that wasn't backwards compatible. That's what happened. It was when Metal Gear mm -hmm. Solid 4 came out. Um, and <laughs> this so is totally, this is a total non sequitur, but do you remember... That dude that was like the maybe like the first ever viral gaming thing was that dude that I can't remember his name, but he said, Oh, that PS triple. And he, thought, he was like an internet sensation for like, uh, what was his name? He was, he looked like he was Hispanic and he just, he basically just bashed the Xbox and kept talking about the PS triple. Do you guys? I know remember the PS triple thing. I don't remember anything don't much. Oh yeah, that PS the, triple. Also, the, somebody the in chat will remember his name. First widespread gaming meme was all your base or belong to us. That's true. Yeah, um, that's definitely true. But yeah, anyways, uh, for that. What? Not the Chad Warren. There it is. Kelvin yeah. got it. Kelvin's got it. There he is. Um, Chad Warren. That was, yeah. You guys remember him? There it is. Yeah. No reasons reasons is. why the PS triple makes me hard. That is <laughs> that is in fact uh, yes. I remember that. Uh, but I, he, but, he ended, all ended up being fake, by the way. You guys know that probably now. Of course. But I read. I actually watched a documentary on that guy like two years ago. Like this. You remember? You remember those heady days when th people believe things were real on the internet? Like <laughs> Lonely Girl fifteen or whatever that was. Like it was. No, it was. Like, thank you, man. You pulled uh, that straight out, Chad Warden. That's exactly. Or innocent was. time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> people uh, hated him so much, uh, and he just played with them. Man, he was just trolling <laughs> them so hard. It was so great. But anyway, but not the. Oh, it's sorry. the old F the Oscars guy. Fire Native is like, is it the F the Oscars guy? No, it's the old version of That's the F the Oscars guy. <laughs> same, same, same lineage, though. Yeah, exactly. It's like he's the forefather. Chad Warren is the forefather of Oscars guy. Okay, go ahead, Mitch. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. Uh, what I was trying to get at basically was that Microsoft saw an opportunity because uh, there's a limit right now. PlayStation 3 cannot be backwards compatible on PS4. And so I think they saw yeah. an opportunity to say, hey, we can provide a service, a system that can provide all our back catalog, and Sony can't do that. That's something we yeah. can differentiate ourselves from. And I think since it's been such a popular thing, I think they've just been doubling down even more on it because now that the PlayStation 4 got its got its moment, I think they're they're thinking, are they going to do that again? And and if it, if so, they have an advantage. Well, I think uh, I think you're right in that, like, but I think the strategy is even wider than that in the sense that I think what Microsoft is trying to do here is reinvent console generations as 
phone style updates where you just have an iPhone, you just yeah, have an Android, you have a Galaxy, and you get the next version as, it, as they come out. And like, you don't really need to make a big production out of it. It's just, that's the next Xbox. And so I think what they'd like to do is have it be so that the Xbox is just the Xbox. And I like, think I read this week the box you know, art for Xbox Series X. It the, just it says Xbox. Say Xbox. And so like, you just, this is just the Xbox. The Xbox this series, this is the Series X version of the Xbox. This Xbox can play all the Xbox games, going all the way back to the original Xbox. Like you know, like, like you say, the complete experience of the Xbox is going to be in this one box, going all the way back to the year two thousand one. And like you're right, Sony can never claim that because the PlayStation Three is going to be such a problem. It's, 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 it's Good old Ken Kutaragi. That freaking <laughs> cell processor. <laughs> and I'll bet you, I'll bet you they got Cerny like try, at least advising. I bet he doesn't oh. care because he doesn't want to go backwards. He doesn't like to look, to look to the past. Yeah. He wants to move forward. But I bet they've got him advising begrudgingly on trying to get a working uh, PS3 emulator. emulator working on this thing. Yep, um, which it. is probably, I mean, it was, emulators for the PS3 do exist uh, for the PC. They're not good, but they're there. Um, you, you could theoretically do it if you certainly have people who know the cell tech well enough, maybe. Which you should. Um, but that is a big deal, and that is also, look, if, you're ta- if you want to consider this a war, a console war, a war between businesses, between corporations, you are forcing Sony to spend time and manpower and money to figure this thing out that they wouldn't have to do if That's you had made them point. do it. Yeah, especially so, now where they need yeah. that time, where Microsoft needs time to get right. these games cooking in the oven. They need Sony to not start making these titles like we have Ghost of Tsushima out in a couple days. What does Microsoft have? Nothing at the moment, unfortunately. Yep. So I think let's the, talk uh, about how much I think they're, they're, you're going to see that because like Microsoft has kind of found a way to make Sony have to play catch up on like kind of a pretty irrelevant issue to some. some it's degree. funny, yeah. But they're making it's them chase still their a talking tail. point. It's still yeah. a talking point, but kind of despite itself. So it's it's interesting. It's an interesting strategy, <laughs> and I think I think you're both right in that. Like it's kind of all they have. But it seems like it's working a little bit. Well, a little a bit. Sticker on it, like that's. Let's, let's that's get to that though. Thing. How much does this really matter? Because I'll, I'll just be honest. To me, it matters zero. Um, I don't agree with that. I don't think it does matter zero to you. Well, I chose the next to last option. Like, it's nice. I'll probably never use it. Was the response that I chose? Like you, you, you'd be okay if every PS4 game you have disappeared when you bought a PS5. Like none of that carried forward. No, I'd be pissed off, but in actuality and reality, it probably wouldn't matter because I really never play old games, like hardly ever. Like I I used the backwards compatibility of my PS3 like five times. Like I checked it on my Xbox One to just see how it worked. I put an old disc in. I was like, oh, that's cool. I can put my disc in and it works and it looks a little better, Mm -hmm. but it's not a feature that I actually use. I just always have to keep moving on to the next game that I just don't have time to go back and play old ones. So it really has very little value for me, but I also appreciate that I am an anomaly and I am very different from the average consumer. So how much do you think it does matter to the average person who's just been buying games all along? And uh, I think that matters a lot. Catalog. Yeah. Even if it's just reception thing, even if they never go back and play. That's after, key. I think. Even if they never go back and play after party again. Right. Like they pay 20 bucks for it and they don't want to lose it when they get this new system, especially because so many people do trade their old systems in. You know, I, not all, I never get rid of hardware, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm an anomaly in that too. Most people want to trade in their old hardware so they can get a deal on the new hardware and i don't think people this generation are going to be willing to like let their whole libraries go like it's i just wonder if you much. could attach a monetary value to it say you saw a breakdown of xbox series x and you saw that 
basically you're paying $50 for the backwards compatibility stuff. Would you? Like, would you be okay with that? Or would you suddenly be like, you know what? I'd rather have the $50 cheaper version. I mean, I think with uh, in almost any other uh, generation, I would probably pass on the backwards compatibility and I would not this gen because too much of that library is digital now. Like I can't, yeah. even if it's just as simple as like, okay, um, I don't really, I, I still have my PS4 or my Xbox One. So if I want to go back and play the old games, I can because I still have those systems and I just play the new stuff on the new systems. But then four years from now, my PS4 breaks and all of a sudden I can't get a new one because they don't make PS4s anymore. And all those games are gone. Like I don't have, you know, it's just gone. Or one day they stop supporting the login for that because it's, you know, 15 years old and every game I had on PS4 is gone. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to, if you're going to go hard into digital the way they have this generation, you have to adopt the Steam model, which is no matter how many different PCs I buy, Steam is always going to be there with my library. Yeah. And I think even more probably with Sony having a digital only version of the PlayStation 5. Right. Really hammers home that I, I'm pretty sh- I mean, I mean, they, they've already said it, but it's going to transfer over. And I think that is significant. Mm-hmm. I think the other slight thing people miss out on, especially with the PlayStation 5, because it's so hunk and huge, like there's only so much space people have on their shelf. And so if they want to be able to play their PS4 games, but they don't have the room for their PlayStation 5 mm-hmm. and their PlayStation 4. Or the HDMI inputs. Yeah. And but PlayStation 5 is also the size of a car. So yeah. right. <laughs> they, just, they just don't want to deal with that extra. Like they, they, if you can mm-hmm. streamline everything into one device, why not do it? We do it for everything else. Do it for your console. Yeah. Um, so let's say what percentage of the average consumer game consumer do you guys think this will be a determinant on which platform they buy i know a couple people where it is but i know like some people like myself where it isn't the hugest the biggest factor but i think i think matt brings up an excellent point in the very beginning it depends on how far backwards compatible you talking about and i think people as long as we establish that, hey, everything is from this generation will be playable on your next-gen console, I think the later games in regards to going back to like PS3, Xbox 360, Xbox, I think that lowers immensely in regards to the library and how much that matters. I would agree with that. Okay. All right. It's time for our Q&A, people. We're at the end of the episode, but before we get to our Q&A, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor while we're watching the ad. How about you get your questions in the chat? Go at Sifted Games so we can find them. Roll it. Ready to get away from it all without losing all the comforts of home? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a once-in-a-lifetime 200-acre estate for sale in Libby, Montana that gives new meaning to the phrase roughing it. This eye-popping main lake house on this sprawling estate has four bedrooms and bathrooms, phone, and internet. There are also separate guest and caretaker houses. It's the first time this property has ever been for sale, so don't let the chance to buy a slice of outdoor heaven pass by. It can be yours for $3.4 million. If you're interested, no matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. He can also connect you with local realtors who can help you with your specific needs. If you want to see more, head on over to www.snowshoeranchmt.com. That's snowshoeranchmt.com. 
man, I just love looking at that ad. It's really pretty. It is beautiful. Um, reminds me a little bit of where I grew up in central PA, um, but more remote, definitely. Uh, even central PA had some buildings here or there. You're pretty much just in your own oasis out there in the middle of nowhere. Be a pretty good place to be uh, holed up for this insane quarantine that we're going through right now. Uh, let's see. We got some questions. Uh, first, I want to thank some people for Twitch Prime. Gohan Rage. I saw you post three times in our chat that you subscribe for Twitch with Twitch Prime. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Um, who else we got here? Um, Mega Drive Guy, thank you. Again, we had our best month ever for Twitch Prime, people, so it's absolutely working. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, let's see, there's a ton of questions. There was some that were asked a little earlier that I wanted to get to, though. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, Bobby Budnick. Do you think publishers will start charging $70 for both gen uh, since they can't for an upgrade? This is a great question. Or maybe wait till they stop making Gen 8 to charge the 70 bucks. So he's asking, like, do you think all game prices are going to go up when the next gen consoles launch? And that maybe is a way for the public. You're sly. Maybe you should run your own business, bro. That's pretty slick. Uh, he's saying they'll get the 10 bucks one way or another. Um, what do you guys think? I don't think that'll happen. I think the $70 uh, price tag will be for stuff that's labeled exclusively for the new systems. Okay. What yeah, about you, Mitch? There'd be way too much outrage to like, I, I think these companies would suffer mm -hmm. immensely from public outrage. That Like, they, I think that's where you split the skew. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sneaky, Shalad, Shanaik asks, uh, how are you guys holding up? America seems like a shit show to all us outsiders. <laughs> 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 well, well, you're not wrong. Well, I'll right. tell you, for about 67% of America, it's a shit show, too. Let me tell oh. you, bro. It is a nightmare that we all are trapped in and we cannot escape. And that is pretty much the truth of it. Like being trapped in a room with toddlers. We are being held basically hostage by a bunch of idiot juveniles who are not adult enough to act like adults. That's pretty much what's happened. 70% of America has been taken hostage by 30% of idiots. That's what's happened. It's like when you are at school and you someone has the great teacher that like is really good at teaching and you just have the shittiest one. And everyone's getting great yeah. grades and does really or, well in school and you just do shitty. Or you're in the group in school and you have the three kids in your group that don't do anything and then the seven kids who get the whole project done. I mean, that's another analogy that you can use mm -hmm. and you hate those three people because they're making it rough on everybody else. Except in this case, the three people keep breaking the project. Right. Before you can over and it. over again. Yes. After we fixed it twice, they keep breaking it. So yeah, dude, we believe me. We're right there with you, man. I am fed up, fed up. Like I'm to the point where if I see somebody out in public without a mask, there might be problems because I'm done. Well, I'm I think people it. are fed up. I've seen more confrontations. Like, it's not going to be anymore the assholes in Costco without the mask causing the problems. It's going to be the person like me with the mask causing the problems if these people don't get it in gear. I'm sick of it. Anyway. Very much, it'd pretty much be handled by now if, if people <laughs> would just wear it. You know, they'll this, kill, they'll kill someone. They'll kill someone Dude. for their country, but they won't put a piece of cloth on their face. Dude, well, we would be getting ready for our fantasy drafts right now. We'd be excited about the NFL season. It, ugh, ugh. Anyway, uh, Ed Rock, the truth. I don't think we've ever answered a question from you. Uh, any early thoughts on Ghost of Tsushima? We have not started playing it yet. No, um, so we can't. Are we? My, er, my early thought. That. My early thought is hurry up. 
Yeah, we obviously <laughs> saw the reviews today, um, and they were not as good as I thought. I guess is the way I would put it. But they yeah, still I mean, are good. They're good. They're, they're not like right Last of Us good. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think it was gonna be Last of Us good. I thought it was just no. gonna be like good to great, and that's kind of where it's been. Yeah, and the criticisms I've seen have been pretty much things that don't bother me about open world. You know, basically, there's a lot of fatigue about open world stuff, and I am not tired of open. You're not world. there yet. I just, yep. I just, I, I, I'm the last man standing who still loves the open world formula. Next week, though, Ghost of Tsushima, Paper Mario, Origami King, both in mm-hmm. next week's episode. So, when are we going to talk about Deadly Premonition two? Yeah, see, I didn't even know Matt that played it, or that would have been in this episode, because we've got some good laughs out of that one, I think. <laughs> it's the only thing that came out this week of note. So and look, um, I'll say that, so there's supposed to be a patch coming to the, for that, that like is supposed to improve performance at some point. Maybe we can talk about it then, because I will just yeah. say this. Don't buy this game right now, <laughs> yeah. okay? Like, yeah. I love the first Deadly Premonition. I think this game would be fun if it worked properly, but it's like playing a preview build. Like, it is, I cannot yeah. believe they released it in this condition. Do not buy. Do not buy that game right now. Like, well, wait for them. Go to watch upgrade. Digital Foundry's analysis oh, of it. It's, it's hilarious. It's, <laughs> well, when I was doing Turnt for uh, for HQ and I was pulling up the B roll of the gameplay, I was like, "This is rough." Like, it's this, real this rough. It's rough. Like, like ten frames a second. That's not even yeah. an exaggeration. Like the skateboarding looked so choppy. I was like, "This <laughs> skate look amazing." I have no. I, and, idea. Okay. Oh, and here, let me tell you. I'll tell you this this much though. So I had one of the weirdest crashes I've ever had in a video game ever in the in Deadly Premonition 2. There's a point where you you finish a certain part of a quest and you walk away and then it does the thing where it triggers a cutscene, right? And as it triggers the cutscene, a character laughs as it fades to black to go to the cutscene. And every bit of voice dialogue in this game has a text box at the bottom too. And you you, you know, it's like those like RPGs where you press the button to like continue to the next thing. Mm-hmm. If you so it, it like the laugh comes out, the laugh text box comes up and it fades to black. If you do not it took me four reloads to figure this out. If you do not press the button to advance the text box by the time it fades to black, the game crashes <laughs> to black. It just freezes on black and you have to restart the software in the in the switch menu. It I mean, is the, the first and I'm like, I don't think I get past this and then I tried hitting the button and it just went to the cutscene. I'm like, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. A it's lot of people liked the first game because it was so janky. It was like this isn't janky so like that. Good. This is oh. not janky the way Deadly Premonition One was, where it's like they used outdated things and sort of like intentionally. De- this is broken. Like okay. this is not intentional. Like it can't be. It's where like, there's game there's like- elements in here that are like, okay, you're doing this to fuck with me because it's like, you know, okay, go kill thirty bees, go kill thirty dogs. Like you're messing with me on this, and like it's part of the joke. The frame rate is not part of the joke on this. There's no way that's intended. <laughs> and a reviewer gave this borderline game an 80. unplayable. I saw that's, no. I saw like nice. a nine. I saw nine. Nuts. Yeah. I'm not I, even I can't take because uh, that was the thing is I was trying to play <laughs> enough of it to talk about it if we were going to talk about it on this show. And I'm like, I really want to stop playing this and just wait to see if they improve it because I can't do. I really hate playing it because it's so broken. So don't buy that game yet. Wait yep. for us to give you the green light or yep. to tell you just never. I mean, look, I hate to we'll say talk it, about it next week, swary, but like, maybe they'll fix it this week. I don't know. He, he said they're working hard on the patch, but who knows when it's going to go up. But, uh, let's see. Texture glitch. Thank you for Twitch Prime. You rocketh. Uh, one super master gamer. Thank you for Twitch Prime. You're awesome. Emperor Dread. Thank you. All you guys are awesome. Tiny 2K. Keep sharing emotes. You guys rock. Uh, OCD Master 1, do you guys think PT will carry over to PlayStation 5? No. No. Of course not. I think it's dead. 
and we'll never see it again. Well, I think they, I think he means um, the demo. If you have the demo on still oh. PS, PS5 and PS4 and you haven't deleted it, will that carry forward? No, it will not. Probably not. I promise you it will not. Yeah, it won't play. Because it would have to be still... They'd have to have manually to be, do it. Yeah, wouldn't they yeah. have to be in Sony's like library and it probably isn't there anymore? Yeah, you'd have to carry it forward in a weird. I mean, I think there was a there's a way to copy it physically to the new hard drive on a PS4 if you do have to do that. I think that's what I did when I upgraded the Pro. But um, yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna transfer. You're gonna yep. need to keep your PS4 if you want to play that. But hang over on and to over it. again it's for some reason. Something you could probably sell a PS, PS4 with PT on it for a fair amount of money. That's true. Yeah, I deleted mine. Unfortunately, I had it and I deleted it. So I now all I it, have is so like the tag. Like I have it showing in my library, but I can't get it anymore. It's gone. Uh, ETH Demon, what is Ubisoft thinking? They have both both Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs coming out super close to Cyberpunk. I don't know. I don't either. That's I think they just. I think they maybe think their fans are big enough that it doesn't matter. Well, I think also that's when they were always going to release those two games, and Cyberpunk just moved there like a few weeks ago. So it's not part. It wasn't you know they thought Cyberpunk would have been out for months by then. Or you go to Matt's theory, which is that they're launching on the console release dates. Well, I think that's true also, but like I also think like that was all in place way before Cyberpunk slipped to November. Yeah, like, I mean that's the you, other thing. And at that point, you can't change that. Like you're because stuck. then you look like well, we didn't know you even know the date, but internally to your teams, you look like you're backing down or whatever. Yeah. There's all well, kinds also of, like, like that's Call when those games are coming out. Like you you, you yeah. move that you move either of those games a week in other direction, you're on top of Call of Duty now. You know, like it doesn't you, you you're stuck. Like you're just stuck there. An 800 pound gorilla has busted into the room, and you're just gonna have to hope he doesn't notice you. I guess. Yeah. I mean, Assassin's Creed probably has the cachet to 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 do all right there, um, and they're gonna probably be fully next gen compatible at the at launch. And Cyberpunk doesn't have that patch until later. Um, certainly not gonna stop me from one or the other. But if I had to buy one, I'd, I'd buy Cyberpunk, and I own every single Assassin's Creed game. Like, I got to admit it. Oh, me too. I'll buy it first, no doubt. Uh, Croak, thank you for the bits, man. It's freaking awesome. This stuff is all adding up and making a difference for us. I just want to let you guys know. Uh, Justin Horman, when we first saw Resident Evil 4, we saw a game that looked very different than what we got. Can you think of any other games where we first saw was different from what we got? Anything where you wish we got the early game footage instead of the end product? Interesting. That's a good question. Um, well, the most prominent example for that <laughs> would probably be uh, Dinosaur Planet, a.k.a. Star Fox Adventures which started as a completely different game and then had Star Fox shoehorned into it. Um, yep. Um, and I would say with that one, it's probably coin flip. Which one I yeah. want more. Yeah. Like I like Star Fox enough that it would offset the fact that I was interested in also meeting this new universe full of characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was probably going to be a mediocre game one way or the other. Yeah. Put it that way. And that's what it was. Uh, um, Resident Evil 4 is actually probably the best example of that. It is. As far as I, I mean, can Duke remember. Nukem Forever is probably another example you can give that obviously it, the, mm. what it ended up being was way worse <laughs> than what was promised initially. Well, the, um, just the hiccup is like we don't see very much of early footage unless unless the thing is like ready to go now. And so it's really yeah. hard to like. There was a lot of there's yeah. a lot of footage of the first RE4 floating around out there. Of like the ghosts and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That yeah. crazy monster that had like the big scissors. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of that did transfer over to Resident Evil 4, though. Uh, yeah, a little the, bit of it. The, the knights did in regards to like the Ashley level with the knights yep. and, and standing around. So, yeah, like, you don't throw everything out. But Yep. Uh, let's see if we have another one. Hmm. S. Swanlin on a recent uh, Pactor Factory talked about consoles paying money for online 
and Amazon doing it in the future. Do you think if Amazon goes this route, will Sony or Microsoft perhaps go free online to compete? This also dovetails off of a, a recent Pactor Factor where someone asked him why we pay to play games online on consoles and it's free on PC. I mean, it could if Amazon's service for it picks up any steam like that's the uh, uh, no no pun intended on steam <laughs> but um uh, i mean the thing is there the thing is there that like amazon would have to become a, a factor that would force them to do that like because I mean, right now i don't see that happening i mean just look at stadia like that's your right. example like stadia isn't charging you to play online it's just charging you for the game but they don't have enough in the library to compel you to switch over so it, i don't think it would change anything unless that happened yeah, it would require a, a much bigger sea change in terms of Amazon's positioning in the in the space. Yep, Talica, nineteen eighty one. Thank you, brother, for Twitch Prime. Appreciate it. Um, from since Kelvis helped us out a little earlier, we'll answer one of his questions. Kelvis, do you think Microsoft will bring down the house with its upcoming Xbox Series X event? What is bringing down the house? Like, well, blow, like shifting but, momentum. Blow, blow it out! Blow it out the back of the back of the stadium. Blow the Death Star up! Like nail everything. Uh, no, the probably no. But I'm maybe I'm, op I'm, open, I'm to open to it. To the idea. Yeah. I'm open to the idea. But what would they? They would have to show everything. Halo Infinite would have to just destroy. Yeah. I tell you what. That's like, really what it comes down to. Everyone I've talked to about you know even like you know real gaming people you know real gaming people but like everyone I've talked to about like Microsoft going for like everyone has said the same thing. I don't know what they would be, what, what they could do to Halo to make me interested in Halo Infinite. It's hard. It's and I, I don't. I, I see their point. I absolutely. You know, I'm probably maybe interested, but like, yeah, I would take a reinvention of that franchise on a level I just don't think they're going to be comfortable doing to really catch my attention. The way they, the only way they could blow out would be have many compelling games within 18 months because that's what sony showed off they have four mm -hmm. first party games coming out within 18 months and third party exclusives coming out in 18 months so they have to match that to like even blow me out of the water so that's that's yeah. a tough ask i mean they might but i i don't think i don't see hellblade I'm, doing it I hellblade's mean, not a launch game though like that's the right. thing is like, i'm trying to try to think of what you could throw at me for this november that really makes me sit up and and beg, you know, and say and like, I don't want to play Miles. I want to play right. this instead. Like they, and they don't I, have if, that. If they have anything that can make me say that about Miles, like say rather, I'd rather play than Spider Man Miles Morales. I don't know it exists yet. Yeah, I mean that's a tough call for you in general. I mean I don't know if too many games I could say, hey, you can play this first or you can play that first, and you're gonna pick this. <laughs> yeah, but like still counts. Yeah, and yeah. Bro, thank you for it, like, more bits. You're awesome, bro. Thank you, man. I was going to say, if you look at it too, like Spider-Man is one of their biggest sellers. And so it shows the demand for it. So you got to beat that somehow. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've passed on plenty of Spider-Man games in the past. This is, this is the last not one this one. Be a good one. <laughs> uh, final question from El Guapo3385. Aside from Cyberpunk 2077, any other potential big releases this year that can be a potential game of the year? I kind of talked about this earlier. I yeah, think I think Watchdogs and Assassin's Creed are in the conversation. I think Miles Morales could be on that list. Yep. Yeah, Miles is in there. Halo could be. Like, we just don't yeah. know. Yeah, we don't know what Halo is, really. They worked on it a long freaking time, so they've had time yeah. to make big changes. I'm completely open to the idea that Halo mm -hmm. Infinite could blow my doors off and and totally convert me to I would buy Xbox Series X first. So Absolutely. we'll see. That would be nice. Same Everybody here. should keep their that. mind open, and we'll wait and see. I'm excited for it, and that's about all I can say right now. So. 
there you go. That's Game Face 220. We had Sifted HQ episode 20 today, a landmark for Sifted HQ. For a show like that, that production heavy, for us to hit 20 episodes, big deal. So virtual high five to you, Mitch, brother. A lot of work has gone into that show to get to 20 episodes and coincides on the same day with 220 for Game Face. So if you want to find out what's happening with Sifted, you can find us on Twitter at Sifted Games, or you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. Uh, we survive 100% on Twitch Prime, as we've talked about this episode, and donations on Patreon. So if you like our stuff, you're checking us out on any of the like six different podcast services that we're on, head to patreon.com slash sifted and kick us a couple bucks a month. Really appreciate it. Really makes a big difference for us. And if you do that and you're, or you're on YouTube and you want to get our stuff day and date, we now have YouTube memberships open. You can just go to our channel, youtube.com slash sifted games. You can join us right there and you can get all our content day and date. That's a new feature from this week. If you want to just connect with the people on Game Face, you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. You can find Matt on Twitter at mkyle, that's K-E-I-L. And you can find Mitch at Mitch Sikor, S-I-K-O-R. So on behalf of my boys, hope you guys have a great, safe week. Wear those freaking masks. Game Face is up and out. Yeah.